You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about Knives Out from 2019. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm joined once again by someone you have not only heard on this show before, but on podcasts like Shock and Awe and Inside the Sequel. Uh, as of just a few days ago, he made his debut on the Cobwebs podcast. He is also the king of 2006 movies. It's Mark Warner. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> I suspect foul play. I have eliminated... <laughs> No 2006 movies. Uh, it's a good It's a good Daniel Craig in the Knives Out. I was wondering how long it would take us to get to a, a Benoit Blanc impression. It took less than a minute, so good job. I, I love doing Southern accents. No matter how good or bad, it's something... It's probably the hardest accent for me to not do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be tricky. I like them too, but mine are always kind of like the same. I don't have... I feel like they're always kind of over the top, like uh you know like really oh, don't be offensive a hillbilly like right it's like it's like it took our jobs like it's barely legible it's it you know or intelligible it's just like nonsense uh but i live and in the there, south there's nothing wrong with that all right every southern accent has its place in the canon of southern accents that <laughs> is like one I, of the most popular ones i, feel like I can get south away Park. with it i live in the south i i don't really i think i have a southern accent i'm kind of thankful for that uh and I, the funny thing is i don't like i never really thought i had a southern accent every now and then i'll pick up on myself uh like kind of having one if i'm speaking casually if i'm not trying to sound too professional and i feel like that solely comes from my love of just doing southern accents kind of mockingly or like <laughs> quoting rob zombie movies stuff like that i feel like i've kind of given myself a southern accent i don't know how to feel about that you've self-infected yourself with a southern accent <laughs> my god <laughs> you gotta figure this out no i uh it's funny because i don't think i live in virginia my whole life and like it, it's weird because we this area I'm in is Virginia Beach. There's a lot of people who don't really have accents here. Um, there are people that definitely have like country accents. There's it's a weird mix of areas and people. And I think the only thing that really slips into my vocabulary is like a, I drop a y'all every once in a while because it's everyone says y'all around here, um, which is tough. I, I I'm like oh no I said y'all, but it's not it's not that bad. It's a very nice uh, just greeting for everyone. It's gender neutral. It's nice. It's good. Just y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think I've once ever said you all <laughs> so well you're I in texas if, so yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean we're, we're both in the south matt i'm just in the deep south <laughs> it's so weird yeah i'm not in the deep south but virginia was the capital of confederacy so this state's weird the more farther the farther north you go it's very like rich yuppie i'm in this like weird 
southeastern corner that's like a real like melting pot it's like more um cities and like you know and then we have like the west part of the state which is like i would say the really country part of the state so it's a state divided i will say uh you venture a little further west of that i assume you get to west virginia you do which (laughs) is if i'm correct where daniel craig first adopted the southern accent in 2017's logan lucky i still need to see logan lucky i own that movie i own that movie that movie's movie's amazing uh let's stop recording right now matt watch logan lucky right now instead (laughs) Okay. And then we'll come back and do that. Uh, no, I like how, yeah, this started like a weird, like geography lesson or like, you know, accent talk. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I should tell people this may be the latest we've ever started recording a podcast on my end. It's almost 11 o'clock. Uh, so this could really disintegrate very quickly, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it it's goes. Definitely um, the latest I have ever recorded podcast <laughs> on my end. I can certainly tell you that. I wasn't even I'm sorry, people. It's okay. I, now you're making me, I'm like, I wasn't even going to attempt the accent, but I kind of want to, but I feel like it would just turn into Foghorn Leghorn, which it already kind of is Foghorn Leghorn. Uh, I say, I say, I welcome some Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> I say, I say, I say, boy. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I, it's, it, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to all of that. Um, but Knives Out, it's, we'll talk about this too, that um, we picked this kind of randomly because I needed a show and you sent me a few options and I saw Knives Out. It popped out of the list. And I said, let's do that. And this movie is about to be two years old in about a week when this episode releases. And it, it, to think about the things that have happened since November 2019 was like a existential crisis I was not ready for. <laughs> I was like, November 2019? Oh, my God. That's the before time and the long, long ago. <laughs> well, now I'm depressed. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I, <laughs> I have not ventured down that road, but now I'm now I'm stuck there. I'll play Hello Darkness, my old plenty, friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've given plenty of thought to 2019. I actually, I just had the privilege of being on Schlock and On talking about uh, another one of my favorite 2019 movies, Doctor Sleep, and which also came out in November. So honestly, I feel like we need to just bow down and give thanks for November 2019, which also gave us, uh, what was that movie? The Irishman. Yeah, I, I was going to bring movie this up. I forgot the name of. And we can talk about this now. That because I, I was looking at this and remembering one of my very first podcast appearances. My friend Bradley invited me to his podcast, and we did a top nineteen of twenty nineteen. And I was remembering that year was incredible for movies, right? I'm not. It's like that. That was an top amazing 19 year. Nineteen is not enough. I'm pretty sure my top, my favorite <laughs> was list of that stuff, year yeah. was like twenty five. I remember it was hard to cut stuff off 19 because I first thought, oh my God, how am I going to fill up 19 spots on this list? And it was, it wasn't enough. It was like, I don't know what it is. It, I was like, I was thinking 97 and 99 are great movie years. I think 2017 and 2019 were great movie years. I think, I know 2007 was a good movie year, a great movie year. And I don't remember 2009. Something about those seven and nine years, I swear. I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> 2009 gave us Drag Me to Hell, Avatar and uh paranormal activity which <laughs> was that yeah I that was 08 oh i guess, I guess it no, probably didn't come out technically it was 07 that if you count festival premieres oh, but yeah. it took over america it did in I... 2009 and that's all that matters <laughs> yeah 2009 it'll be special for me because i went that was my freshman year of college but objectively not the best year well i don't know it also had inglorious bastards and fantastic mr fox 
I feel like we need to we need to research 2009 and see if it fits in with the seven and nine canon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm curious about this. Um, I want to do this more research, but this is off the top of my head, so we should probably. <laughs> this is not a good time to probably investigate this thing where we're. It's already. And super 1989 late. is a great year for uh, musical albums named after that year. <laughs> That's all I got. It's late, Matt. Why are you letting me riff? I don't, why am I riffing? What am I doing? I'm supposed to control this show. <laughs> I'm a horrible host. I just sit here and just let anything go on. Uh, I have no control over anything. Uh, I'm just saying nonsense. <laughs> I can already feel. I can already feel like that. Like I'm losing it. I'm, it's not even that late, and I feel like I am gonna start having like the giggles in here in like another 30 minutes or something <laughs> but uh yeah it is an hour later for you than it is for me so i do want to say that all of this is on you right as it should be it's my show i'm the host i feel like it should be on me but this is the curse of being an east coast person because everyone i podcast with is like central time or earlier so like I, you know i'm kind of you know setting up times and it's like hey let's do eight i'm like that's not my time but i'll do it and uh yeah it's it's weird like nobody i think Rob Antiquera and Brandon Streisnick were the only two people I think I've podcasted with who were actually on the East Coast in my time. So <laughs> have you podcasted with anyone on Pacific time yet? Yeah, Carmelita. Um, oh, okay. That that one's got to be hard. No offense, Carmelita, but <laughs> no, that one. Dear God, you she's are very easy to schedule with. It's I can usually really? start. She can usually start right at five. I don't know why this is no. No one cares about this information. <laughs> we usually get start right at five her time, eight my time, and eight p.m. my time is a very reasonable start time. Uh, so yeah, I uh, this is <laughs> no one such minutia. No one cares about this. this, is, this How do we this, schedule this podcast behind the scenes of Film Feast, everybody? <laughs> Man, this podcast is weak sauce. <laughs> it's mid. It's mid, as Chris Hurtado <laughs> It's mid. It's sus. It's just chasing clout. It's the king of the lukewarm takes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. I love Chris. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I feel. I told you I felt like the fact that he even mentioned me means that he cares, and I appreciate it. <laughs> He's going to be on the show soon, too. So... We'll see what happens, but we'll see. I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's like completely like we're going to just have a conversation, I believe, is the plan. So um, we should probably actually talk movies. I feel like people are probably losing their minds right now. Uh, <laughs> Let's do that. OK, sorry. Were you saying something? I didn't mean to cut you off there. I said payback's a bitch, Chris. Well, I, you know, no, there'll be no repercussions coming. <laughs> yeah, Mark and I are just going to drive out to uh, to his apartment and just stand outside baseball bats and just kind of just like threaten him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're not gonna actually do anything we're just gonna threaten him yeah we're gonna travel all we're that just way stand just there, stand like, there palming the baseball bats <laughs> and then get in our car and leave i'll wave bye i'll say see you later chris and jump my car and take off um this will be in december so we're able to leave him a couple copies of malignant <laughs> and halloween kills is that gonna be out in uh, time no that's gonna be out in january but oh. you know what? we'll leave him uh gift cards so he can buy the digital edition with the extended cut ending oh my god why, why are you letting me talk let's why am i'm doing terrible okay let's get into it what have you okay what's some stuff you've seen lately this will get us back on track oh uh any ill will we earned with chris hurtado just now i'm sure will gain back <laughs> because i saw a movie that he was a big fan of uh I can't, there are so many great movies that I have not been able to drag myself to the theater to see for some reason. I'm just not motivated. Still haven't seen Last Night in Soho. Still haven't seen The Last Duel, but I did 
go see Marvel's Eternals. And it was pretty good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, um, I, it's, I, I feel like I, I, it's weird to me that this is the Marvel movie that everyone is quote unquote turning on. Like it's the first one to get a rotten score and rotten tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's the first one in my opinion that looks like a movie with a couple of exceptions, <laughs> like maybe the first mm -hmm. Iron Man, but I mean, a lot of it's shot on location and it's there, there's, uh, there's a scale to it. There's an epic scale, a kind of awe to several visuals that you don't really get in Marvel movies. And it also, I feel like, takes itself way more seriously than other Marvel movies. And I feel like these are both things that a lot of people complain about with the MCU. So when we actually get a movie that's trying to address these issues and they're just like, no, I don't want that. And I'm just like, what do you want? <laughs> um... But yeah, I'm, no, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, I say it takes itself seriously. It's still, it's, it's got a lot of jokes, but no, they're, they're funny, baby. It's a <laughs> I, good movie. I liked it. I don't have, I don't have much to say about it. It wasn't as good as I had wanted it to mm -hmm. be, but it was also better than I thought it would be when that first trailer came out, which I thought was pretty boring. Yeah, it, that's my I, I haven't got out of the theater to see it yet. It, uh, <laughs> it's, it came out a weekend. I was very busy uh it's like i've had all the stuff going on and it's like i i just don't have there's no push to go see it for some reason if you it, it honestly looks kind of boring to me i feel bad saying that but um you know it, i don't know i just have no drive to get out and see it um i'm sure i will but uh i just haven't got there yet and like no one even people were saying like nice things if like no one has like um been over the moon about it or anything you know no one no one i know has been like oh my god this is you know a game changer this is amazing or anything um well so, everybody be our our, um, our favorite topic of discussion tonight chris hurtado gave it four and a half stars on letterboxd oh i think i missed that i don't even know if i remember him doing <laughs> that uh i mean sorry i do <laughs> i trust chris's opinion uh i just even see <laughs> Don't. <laughs> also, I sorry. I'm still. This is. Oh, I'm all over the place. I was thinking, what tough guys we are to go threaten him with baseball bats and leave him a gift basket. It's like we're real tough guys. That was our plan to go to his house I mean, with bats and then leave I him a basket. We're gonna leave. we're gonna leave him a gift basket. We're gonna pelt him with the Blu-rays. Oh, you're going to chuck the Blu-ray at him. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna buy like a whole store's worth of copies of Malignant, and we're just gonna like pelt them all at him. It seems very counterproductive for us like it seems like this will then chris get to sell those movies and the digital copies separately he can make a fortune off these things i think it's a bad Shit. plan we gotta think it we gotta think it through this is <laughs> it's Anyways. it's it's late we're not um god we're like uh like paul walter hauser and what's the other guy the dipshit criminals in cruella we are not oh. idea men yeah i don't know I, I don't know, but uh, no, I'd for, I forgot. Well, he'd be the only person I've seen rave about it then, because I, yeah, it I I have I, I'm sure I'll see it, but it's so weird to not be any. There's no like desire or excitement for this Marvel movie. I'm just kind of like, hey, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I went to see it after having kind of a long, stressful day at work. I was in a bad mood, and that movie cheered me up. Like it's got, it's fun. It's got some great visuals. It's got some some profound moments, some great characters. All in all, it's just a it's a fun time at the movies. 
Okay. All right. Uh, I, I like I said, I will see it eventually. Uh, what, what else have you seen lately? Uh, this will be the only other thing I talk about. We've got to get moving tonight. But <laughs> I recently watched uh, Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella. I, I'm look. I'm a fan of these live action Disney adaptations. I I don't know. Like I like the animated versions just fine. But for some reason. When I come to films for escapism, I find it easier to escape with like grandiose, lavish, big budget Hollywood live action productions than I do with any form of animation. And so that's why I've actually, I'm in the minority that likes these live action Disney adaptations. I don't think they are, as some people have called them, the death of cinema. <laughs> So yeah, I watched this and I got I I didn't love it, but man, it melted my heart. It was just this like big hug of a movie I really needed that day. Uh, well, that's good. I had not seen that one. The only live action where I think I've seen is Beauty and the Beast, which I actually liked. <laughs> I thought that's, it was pretty. Yeah, that's one of them I haven't seen, but I need to get around to that because I feel like that one might be the best. I I would recommend. Uh, I would highly recommend Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. I thought that one was just delightful and fun. I heard that um, from a few people because I thought it looked kind of bad. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, what are we doing here? And uh, then a few people have said that it's it's not, it's actually pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I'd recommend that one. I'm, it's it's got problems, but I'm actually in a, I like uh, Maleficent. I feel like that gives a really interesting and, heartfelt twist on the sleeping beauty story that uh a lot of people are complaining about so um, fuck them it's too late i don't care if i don't care if i come off as a grouch i've been working all day um but but i'll stop being a grouch back to cinderella that seems to be one of the most uh well received of them and yeah, it's just it's just a great story. I mean, everyone's familiar with the Cinderella story. Uh, the cast of Lily James, who's an actual angel, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and she's uh, just I don't know. It's I think part of the reason I like these things so much is this is a very loose comparison, but I'm gonna try and make it work. So I've been trying to get into the Hammer horror movies, and I like them. They're good. I'm not saying that they're bad, but like those also have these really lavish, grandiose sets. They're just like big, beautiful worlds that you want to live in. But the characters in those worlds are just so dry and for lack of a better word, boring. But like when Peter Cushing is not leaping up onto curtains or shooting his bride to be in the shoulder, uh, they, they can move a little slowly, I think. But <laughs> You get these world, you get these like similarly grand production design in these Disney movies. And then you have these characters with these big emotions, just worthy, like worthy of these big worlds. The emotions match the production design. And I don't know, does, does this make sense? I've been working all day. I don't think anything <laughs> I'm saying is making sense anymore. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear from people when they listen to this if it doesn't make sense, uh, <laughs> and I might mute my phone for the day. But I don't. I don't know if anything we've said made sense. So no, you're fine. Big, uh <laughs> big worlds, big, big, uh, big castles, production design, emotions. I love them, and I thought the Brana Cinderella did them like particularly well. Was that kind of the first one of that wave of live action remakes? I 
because I felt like it didn't catch nearly as much shit as the other ones. I mean, maybe they thought, oh, okay, it's a one-off. They won't do this like four more times with other, you know, older movies. Um, I think Maleficent was the first one, but that one was, that wasn't so much a remake as it was just a kind of reimagining. Yeah, I think Cinderella is the first one where they actually just flat out remade one of their classics. I'm sure I'm wrong. I feel like I normally have a better uh, mind about this thing, but uh, it's 10 o'clock at night here. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Uh, I, yeah, I've never seen it. I, I, you know, I would watch all the one I don't ever want to watch and I don't understand it at all, but it made an ungodly amount of money. Is there like, I think King? I know where uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It Haven't doesn't make sense it? to remake that movie. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's it, the other ones are all like, they're, they're cartoons, so we made them with real people, which, okay, sure, great. This one is just, it's a cartoon, and then you <laughs> made it so it's animated. It's CGI lions. I don't understand. Like, I, I just don't. I don't get it. I don't I, understand it either, but I don't <laughs> care. I still want to watch that one. I'm going to watch it. Am gonna love back. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna like it. I don't know if I'll love it, but <laughs> you like it. Well, of course, I think you'd like it because it's just Lion King. If you like Lion King, I mean, <laughs> several people have told me that, like, even though I like the live action Disney movies, I'm not gonna like that one, and I'm just like challenge accepted. <laughs> Let me know. Report back. I'm curious. I really that's the one. I'm like I'm drawing the line. This doesn't make any sense. Stop it, Disney. Well, I mean, watch. <laughs> all of the other ones before you watch that one like make that one the last one you watch okay <laughs> um i'll make i'll make a point of it so that you said that was all you had to talk about that's all i gotta talk about okay i only have a couple things too um i'm curious if you watch this movie i watched uh from this year which feels like it came out a very long time ago but it was early this year i watched nobody starring bob odenkirk oh yeah i love that movie i really liked it i don't know if i could say i loved it but i really liked it it's so Again, like when you had a eternal, it's like, I don't know what to say because it's such a, it, it's even simpler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a simple stripped down action movie, which I definitely appreciate. Um, but there's just, it, it's just, you know, Bob Odenkirk, this like family man now with a very mysterious, dangerous past, uh, gets mixed up with some guys. Uh, um, kind of remind me of history of violence, actually. Uh, which, um, yeah, that was a complaint I remember hearing about it was that it kind of set itself up as one of these mild mannered man with a penchant for violence or a kind of proclivity proclivity <laughs> to inflict violence on others or this kind of want and desire to and they're like oh it started off like that but then it just turned into an action movie and I didn't like that about it and I was just like I don't fucking care. I just went to see an action movie. I that's I that's what I got. I had fun. Who yeah. played his wife in that again? Connie Nielsen. That's who it was. I remembered it was someone kind of notable. Yeah, and I feel like she's overqualified for that role because they don't give her much to do at all. <laughs> like she's really not in the movie that much. She doesn't do. They don't even give her much to do, honestly. So I was like, why? They, they didn't give of... the wife anything to do? No, <laughs> no this is shocking. But yeah, um, they kind of set up like they'd give her a little more. Like there'd be more to, there's hints at more to their relationship that I kind of, it's, you'll never hear me say this all your time. The movie's like 90 minutes flat. It actually probably could have had a couple extra scenes, but like kind of pat it with his family to kind of give you a little more with that. Um because I usually I'm like, oh, thank God, 90 minutes, get in, get in, get out. Uh, I'm like, they probably could use a little more, not much more, but like just a little more. But uh, yeah, it, I thought the, the last 
20 ish minutes, maybe 30 minutes really delivers on the action. Um, and I mean, yeah, Christopher Lloyd shows up wielding shotguns. Uh, it's like, it's, uh, I mean, I had, I'm like, how can that I found this movie? That was awesome. It, yeah. I was like, this is, this is pretty great. And, uh, who was the other guy that showed up? I'm totally blank. Oh, Riza. Riza showed up. So it's like, Oh fuck. I forgot about him. Random combination of guys at the end. It's like Bob Odenkirk, Christopher Lloyd and Riza in an action set piece, which is like a, like an insane thing to say out loud, but it's, oh, um, it's, it's delightful. I, f- I yeah. feel like when I saw it, I loved it, but I feel like it's kind of faded from my memory. So maybe I didn't like it quite as much as I thought. I don't know. I need to buy it. And uh, it's very cheap right watch. now. I'm, I got the 4k yeah. for $10 on Amazon. <laughs> oh, well, I know what I'm doing next time I get paid. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of cheap. There's a lot of cheap 4ks and Blu-rays right now. Cause of like ahead of black Friday, there's already black cheap Friday's stuff. coming, baby. Green Knight and F9 I just got. They were like Green 10 Knight. bucks. Wait, what's that one again? <laughs> A24 movie. A24. What's With that Dev again? Patel. Oh, God. What are, we do- <laughs> are we doing a bit? <laughs> I'm doing a bit. I'm, uh, I'm just dragging it out. I'll watch The Green Knight eventually. I really like The Green Knight. I don't know if that means much to you, but I did really like it. <laughs> I, 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 tr- I trust people's opinions. I'm just not a bit. I'm not a huge fantasy guy. And uh, Oh, I'm not either. Like, That's art. Ha- Art yeah. house fantasy is even harder for me to get into. Listen, both those things you just said, I would have thought they'd be like huge, like, you know, kind of hurdles for me to get over. But I liked it in spite of both those things. I'm not a huge fantasy guy, not always big on art house stuff, but um, it was good. It might have helped. I saw it in the theater too. The sound was like the sound design was incredible. And I saw this a huge screen. I don't know why it felt. It was a theater I usually go to. And I'm like, is this screen bigger than normal movie screen? It wasn't IMAX. It was weird. Um, but it was, it looked amazing. It sounded incredible. Um, and I haven't rewatched it at home yet. Uh, but uh, I really liked it. I don't know. I I was surprised how much I liked it. So I would say give it a shot. I think it's, I thought I saw it was streaming somewhere for free. Like Prime. I mean, it, it, should, I mean it just came to blue. It shouldn't be for streaming for free anywhere yet. But if it is, I'm. Um... I'm sure I'll put it off till the very last minute. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I really had the same reservations you did, and I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. But, uh, um, but yeah, nobody, nobody was good. I, I, I mean, I could see you kind of forgetting it because there's not much to it. It's very lean. It's like a very like lean, straightforward action movie with good actors in it that pop up. Like Michael Ironside pops up too. Um, who else? That's who I was forgetting. I, um, wasn't Colin Salmon in it? I believe the, so. Um, yeah, it's. I think he's the only other person that I would I remember being in that. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's good. Bob Odenkirk, yeah, Bob Odenkirk does a really good job. Uh, so yeah, it's a good movie. Um, okay, the other thing this will help me bring up. I'm gonna help you promote <laughs> your your latest episode because as I mentioned, you made your debut on Cobwebs that just this week. This drops on Friday on Tuesday. I've already listened to it. I really love this episode you and Daniel did on on Her Majesty's Secret Service. You guys talking well, Bond. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good. I and I love I t- I texted Daniel or messaged you on, on Twitter. I was like, I loved you guys fell in the same trap me and Keith did when we talked about Goldeneye. You talked about like all Bond stuff. You can't you can't just do one Bond movie. You end up talking about like other Bonds and other Bond movies and the songs. It's like you can't you can't limit yourself <laughs> to just one movie. It, it kind of spreads out to the whole Bond franchise. Yeah, we tried, we failed, but I think a better conversation ensued because of it. Or maybe it didn't. You be the judge, people. (laughs) I thought it did. Everyone should check that episode out. It was it was really good. And 
that will lead me. So I've been on a massive bond kick. Like literally, it was like the perfect storm of things. It was like me and Keith did the Goldeneye episode. Um, the new Bond movie came out. Uh, we're doing a big Bond episode soon. Me, Daniel, Can't and wait Keith. wait for that. Spoiler alert. By the way, I've got a great segue between Bond and Knives Out whenever you're done talking about oh, Bond. Oh, yeah. I, bet, I mean, I thought there's an I easy segue. I bet you can't guess what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty easy setup here, but um, yeah. I'll, I'll let you handle that when we get there. But yeah, so so basically like last year, because No Time to Die got you know delayed like, I don't know, three times. So I think one of those times I was like, oh, I'm going to rewatch all the Bond movies from the beginning. So I got from like Dr. No to Thunderball and that was it like last year <laughs> and uh, just stopped because I lose focus and attention on things. And then so I picked back up and I've now where am I at now? I've watched you only live twice up until man with the golden Did, gun. Didn't you log? Uh, oh, was that the one you logged? I saw you log one today. I'm yeah, guessing it, it was man with the golden it, gun. Yeah, it must have been because I'm about to watch Spy Who Loved Me, which I'm excited about because I I mean, OK, so I know That's when I was one. I know that's what I always hear. I was in a, I know as a kid when Goldeneye came out, the movie and the game. Like I feel like a kid again. I have like Bond fever, like I'm nine years old again because like when Goldeneye came out, it was like Bond fever swept everybody, and like me and all my like nine year old friends were like renting all the Bond movies from the video store. So imagine like nine year old boys trying to watch like the Connery and more Bonds and like enjoying them for the most part, but sometimes it was like this is a little weird or this is too old fashioned, you know, but, but I, I feel like we went through, I really feel like I've seen every bond, but I'm in this period with the Roger Moore bonds where I'm like, did I watch these? <laughs> like, uh, I had like no memory of man with the golden gun. Um, and I have like no memory of spy who loved me and like octopussy and view to a kill those i'm like did i watch the roger moore movies like uh he's not my favorite bond i've not been uh quiet about that i do not like roger moore's bond that much and um i used to like live and let die as a kid so it was cool because it had like cool imagery and bad guys and um all this stuff uh not great uh <laughs> so i did not think it was oh, that. that that hurts man i i'm so i'm gonna say a lot of things are probably gonna hurt you right now just bear with me but it's like <laughs> i I used to love, I was like, oh, I love Live and Let Die. I'm one of the people who defends Live and Let Die. Um, it's got a lot of problems. Uh, like, just all kinds of issues. And uh... Problems or quirks? <laughs> As Dan, uh, Daniel said it great on our episode, he said that Roger Moore is the hangout bond, and I completely agree. He's like the, he's the lounge bond. You just yeah. kick back and you just want to hang out with your grandpa while he's doing uh, weird sexist racist things that's exactly what uh <laughs> what live and let die doesn't want to do anything this is what drives me nuts about roger moore it's like he's the bomb that doesn't want to do anything like he just wants to like sit around and like hang out i mean which is kind of charming in a way but it's like that's definitely not what i want from bond like even living that die starts with a weird like his introduction is like a weird comedy sitcom bit where he's trying to hide this girl he was sleeping with from oh my god i love it <laughs> Did not love it. I was like, this is how we're gonna introduce the new bond. It's like this weird, like he's trying to hide a girl in his in his house, like for Money Penny and M. I was like, what is going on? And Money Penny helps him hide her. Poor Money she's, Penny. Uh, God, she's she's the best. <laughs> she yes, she's so so loyal to Bond. It's very it's almost sad to watch at this point because like 
she's so loyal to that guy and he just will not he will not give it up for her (laughs) i feel like that i feel like she had given up at that point because she like and in honor majesty's secret service she really really wanted to bang him like she was heartbroken at that wedding (laughs) was it's very sad and then after that i think she just kind of gave up on him and she's just like whatever i've got my own life i'll still flirt with this guy but he's not he's never getting it (laughs) kind of what it feels like i don't know i yeah so live and let die the funny thing is i've seen all these things about it still get three stars in letterbox and (laughs) i think even the worst bond movies i don't think i can give them below two and a half stars because they're still bond movies (laughs) like i watched diamonds are forever that's a really bad bond movie it may be it may be the worst or it's definitely one of the worst um it's so like flat and Sean Connery is beyond checked out because everyone jokes about him being checked out and you only live twice, which is, which is true. He admitted he was checked out. He, he did not give a shit, but I feel it so much more in diamonds are forever. I feel like he's really, really gone in that one. <laughs> like, I feel like that's one of the things that makes diamonds are forever. So enjoyable to me. He's just, <laughs> He's just so checked out that you're just watching. Uh, you're just watching a guy stumble his way through a mystery that, and he somehow magically solves it. <laughs> I did and enjoy I driving a moon rover through the Vegas desert. I thought that was fun. Oh God, I love it. You see, that's why. Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever is it's it's close to the bottom for me, but I still really enjoy that one. I like mean, I think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the only two I the only two like my well, I don't want to say I dislike. I think I agree with you. I wouldn't give any of them below three stars. But like my least fa- my two least favorite are uh, for your eyes only and you only live twice. And those are the two where I'm just like more than any other Bond movie where I'm just bored. I get it. Yeah, I mean, like if the because I just listened to I don't know if you the screen drafts Bond draft. I haven't listened to that. Oh, yet. Okay. Um. I'll say, I won't spoil it. Some of these things we mentioned are definitely near the bottom. And, <laughs> and, but like every Bond movie has moments. It's like, like Diamonds Are Forever has like that Moon Rover thing. There's like a fun car chase through Vegas. Um, Mr. Went and Mr. Kid. Right. As problematic as they may be. I don't know what, like, <laughs> uh, the ending is fun. I think Jill St. John's a pretty good Bond girl in Diamonds Are yeah, Forever. She's- She's fun. She's very fun. She feels like she should be in like a 70s comedy or something, but it's like she's she lightens it up, I feel like, because Connery is not happy, but she's having fun. Um, so if, if that's the bottom, if to me the bottom is like that and Dime, or, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, that's not that bad a bottom. Like, I don't know. I don't, I know Die Another Day gets shit on. I haven't watched that in forever. Oh, man, um, I really like Die Another Day. <laughs> I heard you talk about it on oh, God Lives. I was like, oh boy, I don't know. Like, I mean, I was fairly young when that came out. It was like 14 or 15. And I, I loved Bond. And I was like, oh, I don't think I like this movie. <laughs> but um, I'm going to rewatch it eventually. Um, and But Man with the Golden Gun. Holy shit. I could do a whole podcast on Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> because there's so much insane shit in that movie. I don't know the last time you watched that movie. Um, I watched it... Uh couple years ago i think i feel like it takes the cake so far for like craziest bond movie it's insane like the things that are happening in this movie <laughs> like that the that the big thing with the bad guy christopher lee has a third nipple that's like <laughs> that's like the biggest thing like he's got a third nipple james and it's like oh it's like and then q gives bond his own third nipple to put on just, oh, fake nipple. i was 
just losing it. I was like, what's happening in this movie? And this may be the bottom of the barrel for, you can correct me if I'm wrong, for Bond girl names. She's barely, she's barely in the movie for like three seconds. Mary Goodnight? No, no. It's worse than that, Mark. It's, uh, it's, I, I oh, guess you would call her a Bond girl. Um, she's a woman that he sees at, when he's, when he's undercover as Christopher Lee, he has a fake third nipple. Roger Moore walks in and there's a girl like swimming naked in a pool in front of him. It's an Asian woman. Her name is Chu Me. Chu Me, Mark. Let that sink in for five seconds. <laughs> I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. I said, Jesus Christ, what? what is happening in this movie? I was like, this is the bottom. We, there's no, we can't get any worse than this, right? This is like, these uh, no, men- um, Die Another Day has a henchman named Mr. Kill. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, just the the racism the thing and about the pun is so bad. Like, chew me. Somebody pointed out the guy that wrote the stretch from Diamonds Are Forever, um, uh, Live and Let uh, Die, and Man with the Gold. Tom Mankiewicz, I think is his name. Yeah, Tom Mankiewicz and uh, Richard Maybaum. I think they kind of, occasionally they collaborated. Occasionally it was just one of them, but. Yeah, he was kind of responsible for like those <laughs> is, early Roger Moore ones. This is his fault, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I was blown away, and it was crazy. I mean, there's like the guy. The guy deserves a hug for for giving us "Live and Let Die." <laughs> I can have fun with "Live and Let Die." I have more. He gave it. That's right. He gave us "Live and Let Die" and "Man with the Golden Gun." Do you want to know what those two movies have that none of the others do? Shift J.W. Peppa, baby. Oh, thank you for reminding. I, okay, I saw your letterbox review. I know you love this guy. I hate this guy. Did I write about him? I think you did. He said, I love this. I think he said something like, I love this character. I never want to hate him, but I wanted to pop more Bond movies or something like oh, that. Oh, man. I and love I said, that. oh, no. I, love, I, got... I just love movie rednecks. Realistic <laughs> or fake as hell. I love them. Listen, it makes sense for him to be there and live and let die because they're in Louisiana. But to drag him to, I believe they're in Thailand at that point. It's like somebody loved that character that much that they were like, we got to bring jw pepper to thailand <laughs> like it's the oh i hate him i hate him so much he's like oh it's just the worst i i think roger moore is a little better in man with the golden gun like he's a little more comfortable um and then everyone tells me spy you love me it's like roger moore's like you know best bond movie so i'm excited to watch that one it's generally considered his best object it, objectively it probably is his best but uh i like live and let die more Okay, fair enough. I, I listen. I I still have. But then again, these. I have yeah. a um. I do partially credit this to Matt Gorley on the James Bonding podcast because he uh, he's really passionate about his uh, love of the kind of crazier Roger Moore movies. But I really love those those uh, crazier Roger Moore movies. They're just again, it's it just kind of personifies the laid back hangout Bond, just going about his life. Uh, occasionally, he has to stop and do some work but at the end of the day he just wants to get laid get drunk and uh have a good time and I, yeah. that's what he's doing in those movies i guess i want a more action oriented bond <laughs> like uh, you'll get that with um yeah the two uh, uh the two like most beloved roger moore ones would be spy who loved me and for your eyes only you do get some good action in those okay that's good uh I still can't believe, I looked at the other day, he was 58 years old when View to a Kill came out. That's insane. They had a Bond pushing 60. Like, And just, you can tell. I heard, yeah. And I heard he was like, 
I think you mentioned this on Cowboys where it's like he found out that Tanya Roberts' parents were younger than him or something. Yeah, that's the thing that, mo- <laughs> that motivated him to give up the role. I was trying to read it. I couldn't find anything why they didn't switch him out before that movie. Like, were they doing so well? Did they have like an ironclad contract? Like, I don't understand why they didn't replace him like a few movies before View to a Kill. I couldn't find this anywhere about why they kept I him imagine around. if they're do if they're doing well, they want to keep him on for as long as they possibly can. I imagine the whole process of finding a new bond has to be a pain in the ass. I mean, yeah, they've demonstrated before it can be tough. Like they thought they had a um Pierce Bros at one point, and then he had to go do that TV show. <laughs> so um that people turn them down it's yeah but uh so i don't know I, even those roger more like those i still can have fun with them there's always there's always some fun stuff like i love the christopher lee and Mary the gold guys is insane like fun house island there was an like an island with like a little like weird murder fun house on it like with all these traps and it's insane like i don't know what's going oh, on but it's it's delightful and yeah. knickknack is delightful too <laughs> yes it's very silly but i kind of enjoyed him um he's no threat i would definitely rank that one close to the bottom too but i don't i find a lot of fun (laughs) in that one there's also a moment where the mod adams character is killed but you don't realize it and she's just yeah sitting she's just sitting up (laughs) and then you realize that she's been stabbed in the back of the neck and she's dead and it's uh it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's one of the few moments in that movie that's like genuinely haunting and horrifying and not just silly. It was weird. I was like, oh, she's dead. Oh, okay. Uh, it was all kind of like, oh, okay, that happened. It was weird. It was uh, a darker moment for how silly that movie is. Um, and I would all this around to say in the middle of this, I rewatch because I know I was one of those people that was like, oh, George Lazenby is a shitty Bond. That's a shitty Bond movie. It doesn't even count, you know. <laughs> I was very anti on Her Majesty's Secret Service because I thought it wasn't like a real Bond movie uh, when I was a kid, and now I think it's great. I uh, that was the highlight of the rewatches so far. It's so good. It's I don't love George Lazenby, but he does bring a, a thing that you guys talked about. This like very raw, um, kind of open, like emotional energy that like Sean Connery. He's so closed off; he would never have this. Like, um, which is good for that movie because it's like a love story. It's a sell it. The ending is such a gut punch. Like I'd forgotten, like, like I knew what the ending was, but to watch the ending play out in that movie, it like, like this is genuinely very sad. And he plays it really well. Cause he seems like a, uh, a bond with a heart. I'll say. <laughs> so um, the, the yeah, kind of performance yeah. in those final moments, just all timer for me. It's good. It's really, really good. I uh, was pretty blown away by it. So I, I kind of wish I was most people who was like, oh, I kind of wish like someone else had played this like Sean Connery, but I don't think it would have played the same way at all. So it's kind of a give and take of, you know, I don't think Sean Connery could have gotten that place where he'd be that emotional in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. So um, especially not after not the you only live twice. Diamonds are forever, Connery. Yeah, I mean, he was gone at that point. <laughs> he yeah. was like, um so yeah, I mean, I really, it, it was very enjoyable. It's its a damn near perfect Bond movie. It's so good. It's got so much stuff in it. I read somebody's review on Letterboxd. It was like a great summary of this. It was like, I think it said like producer, they, the guy was saying like, I guess the producers didn't know what to do after they lost Sean Connery. So they crammed as much Bond movie as humanly possible into an hour, an, an, an hour, like 140 minute movie. <laughs> um, because it's like every, it's so much stuff. Like, and it's, but it's good. It's like they cram all these set pieces in this love story that actually works. Diana Rigg is like one of the best Bond girls, if not the best Bond girl ever. I, she was so good. 
Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, it was great. So yeah, it's been great. I'm excited to keep going with this Bond rewatch because, like I said, I have like no memory of these Roger Moore movies. So maybe I'll like some, you know, surprising ones that you know, like who knows? We'll see. <laughs> so Can I make my predictions. I predict you're gonna like Spy Who Loved Me. I predict you're gonna like For Your Eyes Only. Oh boy, I. <laughs> I don't think you, you know, if I, I predict you don't like any of the others. (laughs) I I hope I'm wrong though. You know what's weird? I have a weird inkling. I may like a view to a kill. I don't know why. I think just the villains and that, knowing who the villains are. Christopher Walken is awesome in that. (laughs) It's got a great theme song. I love that Duran Duran song. Uh, I know it's a weird Bond theme, but I think it's a good song. Um, It is great uh yeah i just feel like this the villains might send it over i might it, i don't know but it has like near 60 year old roger morris bond so we'll see <laughs> like yeah uh, yeah tanya roberts has uh there's something charming to how bad she is in the movie but your first time <laughs> watching it you're gonna be like oh my god this is really awful that's my tanya roberts oh god. It's not okay good. <laughs> we'll see yeah we'll see i've heard i've heard that before about her being bad in that movie so i don't know i don't know um and then to oh to revisit the Timothy Dalton movies, which I remember liking as a kid. I was like, these are pretty oh, awesome. <laughs> those are good, especially action fans like us, like who are kind of brought up on Joel Silver movies. License to Kill is the most Joel Silver Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I've also described as like a canon movie, like a you know, yeah, canon films. Yeah, uh, that so is, that's a great way to put it. Either one, yeah, I'm. Uh... I'm excited to get back to those too. Cause I remember as a, yeah, as a kid, I was like, these are pretty awesome. I, I, that was the one where I felt like I was against everybody else. I was like, these are kind of cool. Why does no one like these? Um, Me too. That license to kill was one of them that I watched the most as a kid. That's partially cause it was like one of them I actually bought on VHS. So I was just like in constant repeat. Uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a particularly graphic moment in that with the, let's just say head trauma that still haunts me to this day. Oh, okay. I think I remember been a while since i've seen it though <laughs> um but yeah okay i think that's plenty of bond talk i love talking i mean i'm in a bond mood but i will let you what's your segue and i i don't have a segue you... i was i was joking matt it's the obvious well, one daniel craig we got daniel craig say, played james bond and he also played uh benoit blanc for all this bond talk we can segue. this is like satiating my bond thing without talking about a bond movie because i get a movie starring daniel craig so um Yes, Knives Out, as I said, came out two years ago, and it's been the longest two years, I think, of any of our lives. Uh, but <laughs> it's been bananas. Uh, but yeah, I... And it came out, like, after the longest two years of Ryan Johnson's life. Oh, yes, that poor man. Uh, Just two years, two years before this, he had made the most controversial movie ever made, and uh, this was uh, maybe possibly a reaction to that. I have I have a theory that I feel like I'm thinking too much about with Knives Out that I don't know I bring up later because uh, okay I'll say this too also weird timing on this too because I think this episode will come out the same day that Daniel and Chris they're doing a, a Star Wars thing on Inside the Sequel where they're going through the new trilogy uh, and they did Force Awakens and they should be doing Last Jedi this week 
So it'll be funny timing to do two Ryan Johnson movies the same day. Um, if Chris sticks to his schedule, then yes, they will come out <laughs> on the same day. Uh, I will plug his podcast. See, I have no hard feelings, Chris. I I really enjoyed the Force Awakens podcast. That was that a great did. episode. I'm looking forward to hearing all of these. Yeah, because I, listen, I don't know about you. This may be a good way to go in and eyes out. I liked Last Jedi quite a bit. I don't know about uh, you. <laughs> uh, Last Jedi is uh, one of my, it might just be one of my favorite movies in general. I adore wow, it. Wow. Okay. I yeah. mean, it's probably my favorite movie of 2017, you know, behind Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> it's, it, there's a good chance it's my favorite movie of 2017. And that was, uh, that, that was another great year for movies, but. It was the nine and seven rule telling you Uh, something about the seven and nine thing. Um, uh, Last Jedi is awesome. Even though every now and then I think about it and I think of all the tropes uh, that Ryan subverted when he was making that. And it, it's so many to the point where it feels like he's more interested in just subverting tropes and then he is in just telling a story, but that's only if I stop to think really hard about it, which is a stupid thing to do. At its core, it's still a great story, and it's a very original story in a universe that seemed to have kind of lost originality. And Ryan Johnson is just so good at telling stories while also subverting audience expectations for those stories. Uh, yes, uh, that's a good, and that kind of leads into Knives Out, where Knives Out is a total subversion of the normal mystery movie, the Who Done It movie which is what I really love about the movie. Like, cause I, up front, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I, I love Knives Out. It was one of my favorite movies of 2019, which was a unbelievably stacked year for good movies. And it was way, way up there for me. Um, and I saw it yeah, in a the theater and from the first viewing, I loved it. I've watched it quite a few times since in just the past years. I know we talked about, you'd watch it, like you said, like six or seven times since 2019. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've watched it six times at this point. I- <laughs> It's very rewatchable. That's that's the funny thing, too. I think subverting a normal kind of mystery where it all kind of leads up to the normal. It's, it's, they give you, they kind of play the hand so early on what's going on. But then they, yeah. you know, kind of whip that around at the end. And it, the characters are also memorable. The, act, the actors are so good. The cast is so unbelievably stacked. Like, it's like a, it is a warm I will say a warm blanket. I will say a warm sweater, like Chris Evans' warm sweater of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it came It came out in the perfect uh, sweater weather. Like right before jacket weather, it came out at the height of sweater <laughs> weather. Sweater weather. Uh, and also kind of a perfect Thanksgiving movie because I could make a joke about how it's all about being trapped with your unlikable family and you arguing about politics and stuff. And <laughs> it's like, very timely for Thanksgiving next week. I mean, I like my family and they're not awful people, but I know I mean, some yeah, people. I think it also, part of it is it even opened like on Thanksgiving week. It did, because I, yeah, I looked this up. I, November 27th, not, uh, so that would be right about maybe the day after Thanksgiving. Um, no, I saw it. Um, I think it opened a few days before that. Oh, I saw possible, it on, yeah. um, I saw it either the Tuesday or Wednesday before Thanksgiving that year. Okay, it probably opened like right before then because they do that with holidays sometimes. So yeah, it's a it's a great like Thanksgiving movie, it, a movie that has played very well to like anybody I've shown it to. Like sometimes, like <laughs> uh, me and my mom don't usually like agree on movies, but I remember she went to go see this with like my stepdad and some friends, and then came home and just wanted to like rave about it. They loved it. They were like, "Oh my god, we love Knives Out! It was so much fun." Um, 
a crowd pleaser for everybody, which is rare too. <laughs> I feel like it kind of plays well for everybody, um, which is kind of magical. Uh, yeah, even the red staters that it's so clearly uh, mocking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe because they thought it was, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, it's those Northeastern Boston people. They're talking about us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that, it's, yeah. What's, what's so great about it is you kind of hinted at this earlier, which, by the way, we're going to be spoiling Knives Out right now, in fact, because, oh, um, yeah. Good what are point. you doing listening to a Knives Out podcast if you haven't seen it? It's a movie that <laughs> hinges on spoilers. But Very popular. It made a lot does, of money. It's on Amazon Prime. You should go see Knives Out right now if you haven't seen uh, it. It's Yeah, it's one of the best things ever. Uh, <laughs> it starts off as your, your typical murder mystery. And then I'd say about like 30 minute mark, maybe a little before that, it tells us who the murderer is. And the like a good chunk of the movie is we're following the murderer trying to hide her identity from uh, Benoit Blanc. And then it somehow manages to turn back into a murder mystery at the end. And it's such a high wire act of storytelling and filmmaking. And I am just in such awe of Ryan Johnson. I feel I've only seen uh looper last jedi and this i need to go back and watch brick and uh the brothers bloom oh yeah i have not seen brothers bloom either it's the only one i haven't seen you've got to see brick i love brick I <laughs> that is a that. yeah i was gonna say shout out he also directed um like three episodes of breaking bad including the uh be all end all episode of not just breaking bad maybe of television ozymandias i Listen, this is my big shame. I've never watched Breaking Bad. So well, I'm going to stop talking right there, but just it's basically <laughs> the episode that the entire series is building towards. That's all I'll say. Okay. And they okay. got the perfect guy to direct it. Cool. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. Like I think he uh, you know what? Jesus Christ. This is how late it is my brain fried. It's very possible that uh he No, wait, no. He definitely directed Ozymandias. Jesus Christ. I can't I can't count on my brain for anything. <laughs> it looks right? like he did. I'm on IMDb. Um, but yeah, you. I, I can't speak for uh, Brothers Bloom because I haven't seen it, but you've got to see Brick. Brick, is, it's funny because that's just a straight... Lots of B titles in his filmography. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, that's a straight film noir, like plastered onto a high school in like the mid-2000s. Like everyone talks like that hard-boiled, um, you know, film noir dialogue, like... Um, it's good. It's really good. I feel like a lot of people have a problem with like the way that they talk, but I love that kind of thing. So I was totally in. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, I recommend that one highly. It's a good movie. I've always been curious as to how exactly he pulls that off. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those kind of film bro movies that maybe some people are turning on now, but that that's, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> I hope it not. sounds it... like a great movie. I'm, I'm really excited to watch that. I'll probably be watching that within the next couple of weeks, actually, now that I'm uh, now that it's on my mind. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I hope it's not turned like a film bro thing. I, I I hadn't heard that. It's one of those things that when I found it in 2005, I was like, oh, I found some like weird secret movie. I only I know about because <laughs> I think I stumbled across it on cable. Um, cause I don't think it got much of a release at all, like in theaters or anything, if it even got released in theaters. And I was like, oh, I remember what's... seeing the trailer for it on the DVD for how the fuck do I remember this? Cry <laughs> Wolf. I love that you remember that. And that, that. was the yeah. <laughs> only time I had ever heard of it. Yeah, it was very under the radar. And I remember finding it on cable and I was like, the hell is this? You've got to get on its way. But like, at first you're like, why are they all talking like they're in a 
1940s, you know, detective movie and they're modern high school kids. But um, once Jenny you had accept- science for third period, she was sweating up a storm in that <laughs> class. <laughs> You're not far off. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's weird. But if you get with it, it you know, it, it works great, I think. Um, but yeah, he I, I love I, we're all over the place, but it's late. I love that he came off of he got so much shit for last Jedi, like an ungodly amount of shit for that movie. And like, just went off. And like, I think he said like four weeks after last Jedi came out, they were already starting to work on knives out. And he just went right. this other thing that was like a passion project. He'd had the, the script sitting around for like 10 years, he said, and just went into this and just made it. And it's like a real middle finger to all the people that trolled him. Cause it's a huge yeah. hit. Um, it's kind of like uh, Joss Whedon coming off of Avengers and immediately just going off with his friends to make much ado about nothing, except Ryan Johnson isn't a monster. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, oh no, not Joss Whedon. <laughs> I say that, that's honestly, my that, I, that's probably my favorite thing Joss Whedon never did, by the way, his much ado about nothing. Watch it if you haven't, but uh, also feel free not to support Joss Whedon. Nothing wrong <laughs> with that. It's probably preferred, actually. Probably. Anyway, back to Maybe. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I just love what a fucking power move. Like this, and it's funny because I don't know how phased he was at the time, but like I watched, I didn't have time to watch. There's a lot of stuff in the Knives Out Blu-ray. There's a lot of extra stuff. Um, there's like a two-hour behind-the-scenes oh, making of. I don't think I've watched that whole documentary. There's too much. Though. Yeah. I think I've listened to the commentary, and that's about it. I got about 20 minutes in, and I was like, I don't have the two hours to finish this whole thing. And uh, But in that 20 minutes... Yeah, it, I watched that documentary, and it just makes me want to go back and watch the movie again. So that's what I do. <laughs> exactly. He, he basically sounds... I mean, he sounds like he wasn't really phased by The Last Jedi trolling stuff that happened to him. He kind of sounds like he just was like, well... I'm gonna go make this movie now. I want to make for ten years, and uh, you know, see you later. And like, he just seems he seemed unfazed for the most part, honestly. Um, I remember when um, when uh, Rise of Skywalker came out, he tweeted he tweeted out, uh, "I just want to thank all the Star Wars fans this weekend for showing me all the love and adoration that they have." <laughs> and it was clearly just like a dig at all the people who were continuing to give him shit. And it's just like he doesn't care, man. He just. He's got such a kind of playful personality. I actually have this friend named Marshall who his personality, their personalities are almost exactly alike. I feel, I feel like I'm hanging out with Ryan Johnson when I hang out with this guy. And it makes perfect (laughs) sense that Ryan Johnson's one of his favorite filmmakers. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the more I see from him, the more I like him as just a person, but I do like, I like him as a filmmaker. Um, He loves subverting expectations as we said. And like, yeah, knives out, like, the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, they've, unless they've really played their hand like 30 minutes into the movie, which was like shocking to me at the time. I was like, wow, he just played his hand. I'm like, where the hell is going to go from here? Because this has broken the structure I have in my brain of how this should go. And I have no clue where it's going to go. And I, it's funny because it, I don't have many complaints about the movie at all. I think it's damn near perfect. I, I think the there's a lot of setup for the first 30 minutes. And it's funny because I was reading Ryan Johnson even said that he wishes he could like have condensed like the opening maybe 30 minutes to kind of pare it down and make it more streamlined because there's a lot of like jumping back and forth with the interviews and flashbacks no 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 i i disagree with him (laughs) there i love all the time that we spend getting to know the characters i feel like it helps bring us into the world and it makes it all the more shocking when we get the actual reveal of uh marta well we haven't really said what happens but basically (laughs) people 
Uh, our protagonist is Marta Cabrera, who is maybe the most likable character in all of cinema. I was going to say, she's like an angel person. Like, she's just she's, like an angel from heaven. Uh, shout out amazing. to Hayden. He's 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 listening to this, and she's <laughs> like his number one celebrity crush. So we have to give him a shout out there. Oh, she's I think she might be mine now, Ferguson. too. I don't know. I was watching this again. And I was like, I felt like I, I always quote this thing from Wayne's World, like with Garth, when he meets that woman, he's like, I love you, dream woman. Like, it's just... Uh, and she's Weaver. like the, yeah like Wait. the most likable human being of all time in Knives Out so yeah keep going sorry uh, she's like the most likable ter- person and she's also like the most competent person and that's why you're so heartbroken when she makes this uh, one mistake where she gives him the wrong medication and realize and uh, they both come to the realization that he's gonna die although that we later find out that's not the case and um I forgot exactly what led up. Oh, yeah, I was just trying to tell people what was going on. But basically, yeah, she's the nurse to Harlan Thromby, this incredibly successful uh, murder mystery writer. And his whole family, for the most part, is just sucking at his teat. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I talk so differently when I'm exhausted from work. (laughs) This makes for great unfiltered podcasting. (laughs) And, um, yeah, he's... uh, Well... You know what, man? I, Jesus Christ. Maybe it's not great unfiltered podcast. I kind of just got lost in what I was it's trying okay. to say. I was going to pick up what like you were saying. I'm, that... des- I'm describing the plot of a movie that literally everyone has seen. <laughs> Somehow, this has been logged more times than The Last Jedi. Oh, wow. Letterbox. You got to bump those Last Jedi numbers up. What do you do? Like, just do a double feature of both. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, the family is like full of the most just terrible people you would not want to meet honestly it's like they... except for the uh except for the um, uh joni's daughter tony collette's daughter the 13 reasons why girl it's like one of oh. the few characters whose name i don't remember meg thromley Catherine yes. langford is the actress yeah uh yeah she's a decent human being which is nice but she's friends with marta kind of like um and they kind of make her kind of betray marta at one point um they use it against her because what that's how awful they are um yes i I was laughing. We're going to be all over the place. That's fine. I love the scene when Frank Oz comes in for like one scene as the lawyer who reads the will and uh, and they just freak out finding out that, you know, Marta. Well, one of the great <laughs> moments is um, he reads the will. Uh, everything's going to be left to Marta Cabrera. And it's just the shocked reaction. And then Walt Michael Shannon just stands up and goes, uh, no. <laughs> and that's all he can say yeah no no and frank Oz just plays it like i'm just here to do my job i'm a lawyer like i'm just here to read this thing and like he's like so and then they end up keeping him there all day right he's so frustrated with these Which, shitty fun people fact, apparently he does like he did that as a favor to ryan johnson i guess they got along really well on last jedi but at least according to ryan johnson on the commentary he's like i think frank got a little annoyed that he had to stay there so long no. <laughs> Well, it might work for the performance if if they shot the uh, stuff when he's still there at night. It's like because he seems frustrated and annoyed by this whole family, where he's like, "I've told you guys many times." He's like, "This is what's going on. I'm gonna. I, I want to leave." Um, yeah, because man, it's just the worst, and it's like little things that come up. I love the running joke where nobody knows. They keep saying martyrs in different countries. Oh, God. <laughs> that's so great. There are so many little touches in that movie that I pick up a new thing every time I watch it. And that was a, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. It's like, 
some Ecuador, Colombia, Mexico. Like they don't know where she's from. I think the funny thing is she's supposed to be born in America. So she's not really like from any of those places technically. Um, and they just, it's right. like how little they don't know and how they, little they care. It's what they, you know, it's like. Oh God, they really are the worst people. Oh God. <laughs> I, and, oh, another thing I picked up this time, these spoke little touches that just make me laugh. And I might have had the subtitles on uh, at, where the Chris Evans thing where, you know, he's like, eat shit, eat shit. Everyone tell me to eat shit. Oh, and, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> and I believe it's Michael Shannon. It might be Don Johnson. Can I, can I say it? You can say it, yeah. <laughs> I'm not eating one iota of shit. Yeah. Which was apparently an ad lib. Yes, that's a great ad lib. I laughed so hard this time because I, I never caught that line before. Um, he's so adamant that he's like, I will not eat one iota of shit. Like, he's just like, oh, I mean, that's what you get great actors to do this stuff. And then they can just, you know, come in and, and the script already seems like it's really solid, but they can ad lib these little things and it just makes it so much better. And that's why it's so good to come back to, I feel like, because there's just so they much. perfectly embody this family and this family dynamic. Just this contempt not only this contempt that they have of marta but this contempt that they have of each other yeah i mean they really do not get along and do not like each other uh oh there is like, one there's thing. that one oh go oh. ahead sorry i was just gonna say like there's that one part where they're um they're gonna like uh meg asked walt to tell marta that they're gonna take care of her and he's getting ready to tell her and then he's just he stops and he looks over at meg and she's like have you been smoking grass <laughs> with such contempt? Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, probably because she thinks his son is a Nazi, which he probably he, he is. Seems like an all right troll. Yeah. Um, so it's. I was like, oh, I wonder if Ryan Johnson experienced with alt right trolls, and when that came from real life, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, the, oh, I will say one thing. Uh, again, very nitpicky thing. What I, I, I think you'll be able to guess what I'm going to say here too, but one line, there's one joke that really falls flat for me, and I'm really going to give it away here because I'm going to tell you, they like cap the trailer with it. Uh, I, you know, as many times as I watched that trailer, yeah. which was literally every time I went to the movies that fall, I, um, they like, I can't remember what it was, it's like the big punchline of the trailer, and I think it's the worst line in the whole movie. Um, it's okay. So that's funny too. I saw this trailer like uh, so many times. I don't know why. I think I was kind of starting to like, when you see a trailer so many times, you're almost like, I don't think I want to see that movie anymore. You kind of think, you think negatively of the movie. Um, luckily it turned out that I love the movie, but the line I'm talking about is when Chris Evans is in the house and he looks at Daniel Craig and he's like, what is this? CSI KFC? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, it, it just comes out of nowhere. And it's, just, it's his first line to Daniel Craig. It's like, hey. I believe that this guy's a dick. I don't believe that he's quite that much of a dick. Yeah. And I was like, it maybe heard it, that I heard it as the button line on the trailer, like 20 times that fall. But so I knew it was coming too, but it just, I was like, that's the one, it's one joke that really falls flat for me. But uh, See, in a the joke one from... line, I, I think Ryan Johnson is pretty much a perfect writer. Like I cannot find, I cannot fault him at all. Even if I, even maybe issues I find with his movies, they just like, I can always, I don't know, find excuses for them and they just make the movies better. The one complaint I have about this is uh, Lakeith Stanfield, the detective uh, whose name I also don't remember. Probably like Lakeith Stanfield is great, but he's probably the most boring character in the movie. He just has to play the boring cop who uh, kind of 
disagrees with Benoit Blanc every now and then, just so he, uh, Benoit Blanc can say, gotcha, I was right. But he keeps, <laughs> anyway, Lakeith keeps saying the word weak sauce. And the whole time I'm hearing him thinking that, I'm just like, I wonder if Benoit Blanc just wants to hit him every time he says that. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. Um, it yeah, doesn't, he's... that does not feel like a line that a detective would say, even a younger detective. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it is, he kind of has stuck with that role of like kind of the straight man too, because even his partner, Noah Segan, I believe. Trooper Wagner. He's that's kinda, the thing. He... I can remember Noah Segan <laughs> more than I remember like Keith Stanfield, but but that's the great thing about Ryan Johnson is that people want to work with him. Like he wants these great people want to work with him and they will happily uh, take uh, lesser roles just so they get a chance to work with him. And that's uh, I guess that's how it was with Lakeith. Yeah, because I was thinking like you have people in this movie who are, you know, stars in their own like starring in other movies and they're doing this job for Ryan, Ryan Johnson where it's like they're, you know, fifth down the list or, you know, pretty far down the list. Like, Keith Stanfield, like, feels almost overqualified for that job. I mean, he definitely is overqualified. He's a really good actor. And, uh, but he's good in the role, but he doesn't, he doesn't get to shine like everybody else. I feel that's the problem. You know, it's like, especially when you're next to Daniel Craig doing his, like, <laughs> it's Benoit Blanc thing. It's like... Yeah, you're getting swallowed up by Daniel Craig whenever you're standing next to him. Right. And at least, like, they give uh, like, uh, Noah Segan like funny like he's kind of a goofball like he's kind of like a doofus I feel like in a charming way you know um, so it's like he Sanfield's like in the middle of these two guys like kind of maybe the serious straight man um, but he's still good it's like but you, yeah, and I, yeah. you need that character for this movie you oh, need yeah. someone for uh, you need someone for him to play off of and yeah. he gets two he gets two people to play off of like he plays really well off of him but he plays really well off of Ana de Armas that like their chemistry is just chef's kiss. Yeah. Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas. <laughs> uh, obviously chemistry so great that it spilled over into another movie that just came out last month. Uh, yeah. And she is one of the best parts of that movie by far. Um, that's, I saw that he liked working with her so much. He, he got her into no time to die because he enjoyed working with her so much. So, um, and they do have great chemistry. She also has great chemistry with um, Christopher Plummer. Oh God, those scenes are, that just, that's, <laughs> that's what makes that scene so heartbreaking is just how well they're getting along, how much they love each other. Yeah. I, I could have watched like a 45 minute, like short film of them just hanging out and playing the game of go, you know, <laughs> it was like, and just talking. Cause they're both. So they both kind of like light up the movie. Like he seems like he's, um, so like joyful and like you know she's such a like she's just such a nice empathetic person you know she's the only like she's the only joyful person in his life like he probably gets along with Fran the housekeeper and maybe some of the other uh people they have working in the house but like his relationship with his family even if it's like seemingly fine on the surface it's just so contentious like they're all ripping money off of him and he's uh like they're just breaking him down. So to have this one person in his life who is like warm and she's literally keeping him healthy. She's his nurse. And right. it's like, that's, it's just what makes that scene so much more heartbreaking when she realizes what she's done. Well, when she realizes what she thinks she's done and he's, he realizes it too. And it's, oh God, it's such a hard scene to watch, yeah, but it's also, she- it's also kind of an easy scene just because of how great, like you're watching these two great actors play off of each other. Yeah. And she's frantically looking for the, 
the, the antidote, I guess you would call it, uh, to help it. And like, I, it's heartbreaking. And like, I love how it, this time it really hit me too, that it was, I, I don't think I got, I don't think I teared up, but I was like, oh, emotional because like he, he's so worried about her. Like, he's like, we've got to make sure you're okay from this. Cause I don't want like you or your mom to get in trouble. Even her mom, like get deported or something, you know, he's so concerned about protecting her. And I was so like moved by that this time. I was like, oh my God, I love you too. <laughs> and he like, literally like he literally, he kills himself just to save her. Yeah. It's yeah, it's really, it's really something. Uh like he gives himself what looks like probably a much more painful death, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. They uh man, so that yeah, that scene really I think almost it's harder every time I watch it. I don't I, I probably grow more attached to the characters, so, you know. So um it's such a great scene, and especially like the way we cut to it when it's in the middle of the uh after all the interviews, they interview Marta. And Benoit does his little coin flip. And then we get this whole flashback and it's so good. I'll never forget watching this movie in the theater. And just, I could not believe what I was watching. And then we f- cut back to the coin flip and we realize we're still in the middle of the questioning and she hasn't told them anything. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's You see, that's the problem with talking about great movies like this. I just want to praise them. I feel like I, I just want to talk about everything I love and how much of a, quote unquote god the filmmaker is because i <laughs> i definitely think yeah i'm waiting for ryan johnson to do something wrong because like of the three movies i've seen from him and the tv episodes they're all five out of fives i mean yeah pretty much i i uh what was i gonna say um oh shit now i lose my train of thought because it's late uh yeah i don't know he just um no, keep talking. I completely, I completely derailed my train of thought. Uh, can we talk about like one of the great plot devices, which just helps to make Marta even more likable, is her inability to tell a lie without puking. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about this. I remember somebody. This is this helps. Me, I was gonna say this too. I forgot about it earlier. That I, I can't remember a friend of mine or something. You do this what you will. I, I uh, this is their critique. It's not my critique. There was that. Huh. I thought it was a little dumb. They made her throw up when she lied. I thought that was a little too convenient. I was like, huh, it's a movie. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it did. I thought it was used so, you know, intelligently that I didn't think it was just like a, I mean, it kind of is a plot. De- it is a plot device, but it's like, the yeah, it's way a it's- murder mystery. The movie's going to be full of plot devices. But <laughs> yeah, I like again, that. Touch. I just yeah. think, yeah, it may, again, it makes her more likable. Like she's already just such a, decent hardworking person and the fact that honesty is so important to her just makes her even more likable that's true it's like and plus it's yeah. just like you get some great scenes out of that like you get the uh like the first when she like when we reveal when it when it's revealed that she can't tell a lie and she's trying to cover it up and then she immediately throws up and he's just like oh oh i was merely speaking metaphorically i did not know it was a <laughs> it was a real tick uh, we get the scene in the <laughs> diner where uh, Chris Evans has tricked her into eating and then he like pushes the bowl towards her. And then like, <laughs> come on, that reveal at the end when she is pulled one over on him and it like it's capped off with her throwing up on him. Oh, yeah. Which then kind of yeah gives that away. That's what I think it's used really brilliantly, too. It's like, oh, right. The throwing up thing. Um yeah, I love like how, not just like yeah. not just storytelling, but in terms of like foreshadowing and how he places everything at exactly the right point in the script. Like Ryan Johnson, 
that guy he he knows <laughs> what he's doing i think he knows how to make a movie the, uh, the last jedi thing people really got mad about that but i'm like listen he made a good movie he just didn't like they're, where it went they're uh, wrong <laughs> last jedi basically boiled down to uh oh we should probably give last jedi talk but i felt like it really boiled down to people just didn't like that he just did something with characters they love like i feel like the luke stuff was like really criticized um and yeah, I, I mean, was it's, always, it's yeah. all a lot of I mean, it's a lot of Star Wars fans who they they're coming at it from a point of nostalgia, and he's like he's in he's engaging with that nostalgia, but then he's kind of turning it on its head and uh, kind of quote unquote burning it down. Yeah, and he doesn't yeah. see he doesn't seem like someone who hates Star Wars. Seems like someone who wants the franchise to go off in like new and interesting directions, the way that it yes. like di- yeah. Like Empire Strikes Back, that does so many interesting things that you never would have uh, guessed after A New Hope. But people just want uh, fucking uh, Force Awakens all over again. They want a movie <laughs> that just like feet force feeds you your nostalgia. And he's not about that. And quite frankly, neither am I. I don't have a problem with the Force Awakens, but man, I remember seeing it. And just simply liking it, but thinking, man, I really wish, like, I just want them to do something different. And then I saw Last Jedi, and I'm like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing about that, uh, just the difference there. Because I really did love Force Awakens. I love new characters. But even I recognized, okay, they're reusing a lot of beats from New Hope. And, you know, you playing on our nostalgia. And then he comes up right behind it and just is like, you know, just just trying to t- cutting it all down, taking different directions. I don't think it's, and I don't think it's like a, like a snotty teenager type of way where it's like, Oh, fuck this shit. I don't like it. I think he likes it. I just think he was trying to think of ways to take it in, you know, new and exciting directions, you know, it's like, so uh, yeah, I, that's what he's doing with this and knives out. It's like, I mean, he was reading, he loves all these like Agatha Christie books and these murder mysteries from like the sixties and seventies. And you know, was doing his own riff on that and clearly like loves them, but wanted to do something that was not a straightforward murder mystery. It's, so. it's like much like Last Jedi, like you <laughs> went into Last Jedi with certain expectations being that it's a Star Wars movie and those were completely turned on their heads. But while whilst at least I think still giving you what you want from a Star Wars movie, your space battles, your, your cool, wor- your uh, new worlds, and it's the same thing with Knives Out. You go in expecting a murder mystery and he turns that on its head and he flat out tells you who did it and you still end up getting what you want out of a murder mystery. It's It really is quite brilliant. Yeah, it's it's great. And I'll, this is... And okay, also, yeah. oh, I just want to say it while I'm... A, fun fact, I just framed a Last Jedi poster and I'm actually looking at it right now. But, <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. Um, I saw you posted about that. I think uh, Marta Cabrera, most likable character of all time. Rose Tico, maybe the second most likable character of all time. She's very likable. I don't know. <laughs> At least according to Ryan Johnson, I don't think J.J. Abrams likes her that much. <laughs> Did uh, I thought I read, I'm not trying to defend this, but I thought I read something that a lot of her scenes in that one hinged on, they were with Carrie Fisher. And once they got rid of, well, Carrie Fisher died, that they didn't, her scenes got cut or something. I I don't know. It might have been I didn't a bullshit excuse he gave, that. but I don't know. It it it. I felt I bad. I feel like he gave a he gave a lot of bullshit excuses on that. Like he never flat out said that he disliked the Last Jedi, but 
there's so much in that movie that just hints that he likes the last jedi why are we talking let's stop talking about the last jedi this is an so inside the sequel it's, it's, you guys are already going to hear another podcast about i know the they're gonna get today. so much last jedi talk today i don't know what they're gonna say about it i i know they like it but i'm curious but anyway that does lead oh my god do out. you think that do you think they're gonna talk about knives out on their last jedi podcast Ooh. I don't know. That'd be very interesting. Oh be... my God. The, the, the streams are crossing today. <laughs> be very, whatever you do, just don't look into the trap. I looked right. in the trap, right? <laughs> I don't even oh. know what now we get Ghostbusters, which was. is timely Ghostbusters coming out or the new ones out this weekend. So, Hey guys, it looks like a good movie. Just <laughs> deal with it. Matt uh, and I both think that, but think so. Listen, I told you earlier that I feel like I have to hide my excitement for the new Ghostbusters because I don't know. I love, the first Ghostbusters so much like it's an all-timer for me and I love those that cast I know they're in this one uh I don't know people have said things like they're playing on nostalgia and I'm like listen okay this the, you might get me with this one like I think this is gonna work on me like I'm a real mark for this kind of thing because it's like it's like one of the first movies I can remember even seeing like it's Ghostbusters like in my earliest memories you know it's like so it's a it's an unfair advantage for this new Ghostbusters to play on my nostalgia and my emotion. <laughs> I see. I I mean, it looks like it's playing on nostalgia, but it also looks like a completely different movie. Like as much as I love Ghostbusters, it's a it's a silly 80s comedy. It doesn't really feel like serious right. Hollywood <laughs> filmmaking. It's just a fun movie. This looks like a big Hollywood movie that actually is taking itself seriously at times. And that is very that's about as far away as you can get from Ghostbusters, I think. Well, <laughs> I guess, you know, he, he's he's pulling a Ryan Johnson. He's uh, giving us what we want while also giving us something different. I we'll think. See. It's I not want, out yet, yeah. so we don't know. We're speculating. <laughs> well, no, 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 it is. Uh, it's, it's out today when you're listening to this. Oh, out today, Because yes. we, re we <laughs> recorded this the second before you dropped it. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is all live, right to tape, or whatever they call it in TV world. I have no idea. Uh, Fuck it! We'll do it live! Yeah. <laughs> Let's pretend. But it's okay. The Last Jedi thing leads me to my point about Knives Out that I kind of hinted at earlier. This is my theory. Stay with me now. I don't know if this is stupid or not. Uh, I feel like Ryan Johnson coming off Last Jedi and the shit that he took from Last Jedi, I think it's interesting that he goes and brings Knives Out out, which he said he had for a long time. But I don't know how much he reworked the script. But I think it's funny he gets just attacked by trolls and everybody online for Last Jedi. And then he makes a movie where he rewards like the nicest person in the movie who only does nice things and does the right things and punishes the awful people, including a character who is a literal alt-right troll in the movie. And I feel like there must be something either subconsciously there or knowingly there where he was like, I want to make the most likable character and reward that character for being a kind nice person at the end of the day and punish these assholes <laughs> and that was my theory watching it this time <laughs> uh, i think that's a perfect theory i think that's exactly <laughs> what he was trying to do and he did he also he didn't it didn't feel entirely spiteful it didn't just feel like a very reactionary movie like someone reacting to this uh thing in their life it just felt like he was he just he loves cinema. He loves these movies and he wanted to make one of his own. And he still just happened to get these shots in at these, uh, the worst kind of people while he was making it. Yeah. Cause I mean, this took me like three viewings to really come down on where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> was this him like reacting even subconsciously to the last Jedi about like, 
you know, I'm going to reward this very nice person. Cause there's that whole line. Uh, uh, I think Daniel Craig says it about to Marta about, you know, um, you, oh God, I'm messing it up. Like it's, you know, you're, you were just always trying to do the right thing this whole time. You were never really, you even trying to save like Fran's life. You know, every, every move she made was like the good, decent thing to do. And that even threw off the, like Chris Evans plan too, because, you know, it's like, she just kept doing the right thing, the nice thing. Um, and she won by doing the nice thing. I love goddamn the last shot is like chef's kiss. Perfect. With her, with the mug looking down at the family with the, my house, my rules mug. Oh God. It's so amazing. Um, <laughs> I, so I watched it with my old roommate and his wife when it came out and, uh, she loved it. Cause she's a big murder mystery fan. Uh, he, who is a big Ryan Johnson fan and even likes Star, uh, The Last Jedi, did not like it because he thought that it was all metaphor and no story. Look, huh. I, lo- I love this guy. <laughs> he gave me a place to live for two years when I needed a place. That is, what, that is the stupidest criticism I've ever heard. <laughs> and I can say this because he's never going to listen to this. And if he is, he'll just uh, bust my chops over text message and I'll have to live with that. But like, I have never, like, I believe that everyone is entitled to their opinion and like, there is no wrong opinion on a movie. Like you could tell me a uh, last uh, or a fucking seven Samurai is the worst movie ever made. And I'll be like, that's cool, baby. Believe whatever you want. <laughs> I but would just say that... they need to watch more movies, but that's, that's fine. That's their decision. <laughs> What my roommate said about Knives Out, I just think is flat out incorrect, dishonest. He's lying to himself <laughs> and he's lying to the world when he puts that shit out there. I don't, I don't like it. I don't agree. Yeah, that uh, it's like I because this it's it works as a story. I like the uh, the whole like pro immigration metaphor is just like the cherry on top. And it's, it does fit into the movie. It's pretty integral, but like I don't think that when I'm watching the movie. I just think I'm watching a fun, subversive murder mystery. Right. Like all the I don't stuff know why is... I br- I don't know why I brought that up. I don't know That's why. Okay. I it's all there. I mean, all these the, the political conversations, those immigration conversations, like the whole thing I just wrote about like him rewarding nice people and punishing shitty people. Like, you know, this is all there. But if you 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 don't need any of that to enjoy the movie, it just being a fun, entertaining you know, kind of different murder mystery. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of like, you know, I think a bunch of my mom's friends saw this and didn't get any of that the political stuff. They were just like, oh, it's just a fun, it's a fun murder mystery, you know? So yeah, my parents saw it and my dad, uh, I don't think my dad cared about it. My dad is a very big right winger, but he, I mean, he just accepts politics. He disagrees with the movies. He just thought that, uh, he couldn't buy Daniel Craig's Southern accent. I guess he needs his Southern accents uh, to be more believable. <laughs> to which I say, I I I want I love big exaggerated Southern accents in movies. And I, love I just big exaggerated Southern accent or just accents in general, for the most part. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> sometimes it goes off the rails. Unless but... it's uh, Charlotte Copley in Old Boy. Ooh, well I'd forgotten about that movie, so that's I probably forgot so about it. The world. So did the world. You tell uh, Daniel me Craig in this and Logan Lucky again. Watch that. Just two. He is having so much fun in these, and you can tell he is just excited to be like away from the stress of Bond and doing something else. 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say that comes through very clearly this movie that he's like, he seems overjoyed to be doing this movie where you can do this like ridiculous character with the accent and not be in Bond mode, like to have fun. Cause I, I know that was starting to wear on him um, probably by Skyfall. I know by Spectre, he was getting kind of tired. Yeah, Spectre's <laughs> the one that kind of uh, fed him up for a while. So he he seems delighted to be in this movie. And uh, if you're having fun, listen, I enjoyed it. I'm surprised I never, I didn't hear more criticism of his ridiculous accent. I feel like everyone, I feel like everyone kind of accepted it, you know, for the most part. They were like, whatever, he's having fun. It's a crazy Damn, accent. We all just want to see Daniel Craig have fun. Right. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, that's what it's all about. Daniel Craig is one of the last like movie stars where you, I feel like you could just sell a movie based on his involvement alone. Yeah. Probably. I mean, probably yeah, he's been bonds. That, that carries a lot of weight. You know, it's like, uh, um, I know that just reminded me, are you excited for knives out too? Uh, you better believe I am. <laughs> I thought that was a stupid question, but because... I don't care if that's a Netflix movie. I'm going to see that in the... they better release that in a theater near me. I <laughs> okay, live in go... Austin. They probably will. Yeah, they probably will. They just didn't they put out like Red Notice out in theaters for like a week before the movie came out on Netflix. I feel like now, I that know. I didn't hear anything about. I didn't well... hear anything about Red Notice until it was already <laughs> out for a it couple days. Happened. So. I was curious if you'd watch that because I have avoided it. But because I just think I'm really not going to like it. But a lot of people have been like, eh, it's whatever. Oh. Like, it's fine. You're not going to upset about it. But I'm like, I could probably get upset about it. I don't know. Like, I will see. I love Dwayne Johnson, but I that movie too. just looks very meh. And it's from the guy who made Skyscraper, which means I probably won't like that movie for at least like three or four viewings. So <laughs> why even bother? Yeah. You mean Ross and Marshall Thurber, <laughs> which I still love. Of- dodgeball and we're the millers fame i do really like dodgeball still i've never i know i did see we're the millers it's i thought it was okay but uh we're the millers is all right but this is not a guy who you're like direct this action movie he just doesn't seem like a real person like he seems like the guy a guy the rock made up to like shadow direct or something (laughs) like uh although it's funny you say that i i don't know how i had this memory but i was once waiting in line for a movie and we were waiting by a poster for we're the millers and my friend just said, that looks like the type of post, that looks like a made-up movie that you'd see at a theater in a movie. <laughs> in a movie? Oh my God, I can see that. It's like, yeah, I mean, that didn't look real. His name doesn't sound, it sounds made up. I'm like, your name's, it, what, come on, Ross and Marshall. Oh, for the longest time, I thought he was made up because uh, he didn't do anything for a long time after Dodgeball. Yeah, it's weird. He, uh, I looked at his IMDb and he's had a very strange career. It's like, um like he was dead in the water a couple times and like uh even after we're the millers it took like three ish years or four years to get another movie going i think i don't remember it's uh, yeah now he's like the rock's buddy so he's like set now but uh um anyway thanks for listening to another episode of <laughs> raw dogging marshall thurber <laughs> that's a new podcast you should make up come back next oh, week when we gonna... discuss <laughs> Central intelligence. Oh, I mean, Red Notice. Okay, I'm going to talk about Red Notice. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll, I'll make this point. I'll get out. But uh, Red Notice seems like a made-up movie within a movie, to your point about where the Millers. And here's the weird thing. I like all three of those actors, Gal Gadot, uh, Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, separate. Also called The Rock, the, the day I die. He's The Rock to me. But uh, the three of them, I like them separately. When you put them together, there's something that I don't like about that mix. It's like, it, it, it feels very, the whole thing has felt very, 
I don't know, made not what's the word? Uh, <laughs> disingenuous, maybe it doesn't feel right. Like something just feels wrong. It's like a movie made up by like Netflix AI, like a, or something. Like it I just, I don't like. I heard there's a scene where like Rock and Ryan Reynolds are like drinking their own brands of tequila or something. Or I think Ryan Reynolds is a gin and The Rock has tequila. I'm like, this fucking project sounds like they were all just high on their own shit. And just, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to see it, honestly, because I just think I'll get mad at it. I don't want I don't want to be mad at those people. I don't want to not like those actors. So I'm just going to probably let it go and not watch it. I've got too many 2021 movies to catch up on to focus on Red Notice yeah, I don't right think you now, which Notice. is yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because like I I do like that it's just a it's an action movie being driven by star power, but there's just so many question marks in that formula that I'm just like yeah, if I can't even finish Boss Level, I sure I certainly can't be finished to sit through this. Well, yeah, yeah. I liked Boss Level. I'm sorry you didn't finish it, but I, I can kind of understand. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I'm hoping to like Cop Shop more. I want to see Cop Shop. It hasn't, I don't think it's gotten cheap on a, like the rental. I think it's a $20 rental still. And I, can't... I think it's, uh, I had a friend just tell me today that, Jesus Christ, we're so far off topic. <laughs> uh, I had a friend a tell me it's coming out to Blu-ray in a couple of weeks, so we'll have okay. our chance. Thank God. I can finally see Cop Shop. Um, so anyway, uh, Knives Out 2. My point about Knives Out 2 was like, are you totally fine with the idea of them just doing the ongoing adventures of Benoit Blanc? Absolutely. I okay. mean, that yeah. that helps make it like more like your classic detective murder mystery stories. You're just following a detective through different mysteries here's my hope and this is just like this is a long shot but i would love it if it happened i'm really hoping that he brings in marta as his watson to help oh. him with this case uh-huh <laughs> like i don't know what i don't know why i guess the whole like i don't know maybe he trusts her and uh he can i don't know he, I don't know how this dynamic would work. <laughs> I just want more Marta. And I feel like that would be a fun dynamic. And again, we've got two movies where Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas are a great team. Give us a third one. Yeah, they just go on adventures. And I feel like yeah. Ryan Johnson <laughs> could make it work. Somehow. I agree with you. I don't know how, but I think he could make it work. Um, this this is the problem with this movie is that we like it too much and there's so there's there's so much to it that I've realized I was about to start wrapping up but we have not even talked about like Jamie Lee Curtis or Don Johnson or Tony Collette. <laughs> like, is, oh my God! Yeah, like, let's let's see how many let's see how quickly we can get through this cast. Okay, I'm gonna start with Chris that Evans because I'm looking at his picture M. right now. Emmett Walsh and <laughs> oh, Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt. Yeah. Okay. That confused me because I was like, Saul just going live in the cast list. I was like, where the fuck is he in this movie? He's a voice on a TV show. I found. We out. have the nanny cam footage. <laughs> I didn't. I'm gonna go back and listen to that because after I watched this time, I saw his name and I was like, where was he? And I saw his voice on TV or something. Um, I I love that they still work together like every time they can. Like from Brick on, um, he gets him in a movie somehow. Uh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk us through the cast here that we haven't talked about that much uh chris evans he i'm looking at him right now i felt like he was reveling in this opportunity after he's been captain america for like 10 years to be a real piece of shit did you feel that way uh 100 like that's why i think he's uh maybe he's enjoying that kfc line a little too much like he right. is just <laughs> having a ball with everything like you look at like roles where he does get to kind of go like go off um 
like go off and do something different. And he is, as much as I love him as Captain America, I feel like I always enjoy him more when he's cocky or an asshole. Like I really like him in the Fantastic Four movies. Uh, I love him in uh, Danny Boyle Sunshine. I love him in uh, Snowpiercer. He's not really cocky in that. He's like a he's a noble hero who just has a dark side. Mm-hmm. But I love him so much more than when he's playing the noble hero, even though he is really good in that role. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, okay, I'm moving through the list. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, just one <laughs> one year post Halloween, and like I'm just I'm loving this resurgence of hers because I I mean she she was doing Activia commercials and now she's in, <laughs> now she's back baby. I feel like we're in the Jamie Lee and Curtis Renaissance, the, yeah. <laughs> and we just had her in the best movie of this year too. I, I like Halloween Kills. I can't go there with you, but I will. It's okay. It's I, I okay. It's not the official opinion of Film Feast. But it is the official opinion of raw dogging Marshall Thurber, which I guess will be the name of my podcast. I can't wait. I can't. I don't wait. think you want to. I don't know if you want to trust the opinion of a guy who creates a Ross and Marshall Thurber podcast. <laughs> I feel like you could probably get Ross and Marshall Thurber to come on that podcast because he'd be so flattered someone had a podcast about him. Oh, he might be too busy uh, he, making rock movies. He's, I yeah. think if he's working, he, he's working with The Rock. That guy's got to have an ego almost as big as The Rock's at this point. I heard a story from Paul Shear once. He was working on that Eddie Murphy movie, Meet Dave. Uh-huh. And the director of that movie had such a big fucking ego because he was like directing the next, he was directing the next Eddie Murphy movie. I'm like, oh God, if he's that bad, imagine how Ross and Marshall <laughs> must be. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I love, I'm with you on the Jamie Lee Curtis Renaissance. I'm all about it. I think she's, she's kind of like, she kind of feels like the leader, the vocal leader of the family. I feel like she speaks up and gets in front of everybody. Like she, I mean, she's the, she's the only one of the family who's like kind of like independent. Like they're all kind of leeching off of Harlan, but she actually uh, created her own business. Oh, yeah. That's true. I, I do like the moment too at the end when she gets her, Christopher Plummer's her dad's letter. Christopher Plummer left her that letter, and she, uh, with the invisible ink, and he tells her that uh, Don John's having that affair. So, um, gets that one little thread to wrap up for her. So, yeah, that's uh, a great moment. And I, it took me a lot of viewings to realize this, but the next time we see Don Johnson, he has a black eye. Yes, I had noticed that until this time too. I and I missed a line too, where Jamie Lee Curtis says something. Um, which he's being interviewed about her and her dad had a special way of communicating, which kind of sounds like an offhand line. And then it's like, Oh, right. The ink. And then, yeah, I missed the black eye every time too, until this time. And I was like, Oh, she punched him. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. there. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like he's the only one, like, I feel like they're all still like they're, they obviously they lost pretty much everything, but I still feel like they'll find a way to be all right. Don Johnson is fucked. He's the only one who is, he's being kicked out of this family and good for him. Cause he's, he's maybe he's probably the second biggest piece of shit after uh, ransom. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's pretty shitty. He's Hugh. a good Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> he, John Johnson, speaking of him, very good character actor now comes in and just like, will kill these little small parts. Like, you know, like I think he came into, um, Oh God! What's the 
Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn movie. Dragged across concrete, baby. Yep. I think he uh, is in that for like a few minutes, but I remember him being in the movie. So he kind of. He's <laughs> the, yeah, he's the voice of Fox News. <laughs> oh, that's right. His yeah. whole his whole character in that is literally talking about how like uh, gotta be careful with all these cell phones taking. <laughs> Everyone with a cell phone can take a picture of anything we do, which is not how it used to be. I'm 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 saying all this. I genuinely love dragged across concrete people, but it's uh, <laughs> it is it's it's hard to see it as not a right wing movie. I mean, yeah, that's what I thought when I first saw it. I was like. Huh. All right. Uh, Even with all the moral ambiguity in that movie, I feel like that scene still kind of pushes it over the edge. But we're not talking about drag talking. We're talking about Don Johnson. (laughs) He's good in the part. I don't think I don't know what his real political views are, but he's he's good in that. Uh, He's one of my favorite people to watch today. Like whenever I see Don Johnson is in something, I'm just immediately more excited. Like I want to watch that fucking Keenan sitcom just because he was in it. Oh, I didn't know he was in that. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It's very random. Yeah, he uh he's a guy I'm happy to see puff up and stuff. Um have you seen uh Cold in July? No, it's been on my list forever. Um oh god, just talk about walking into a movie and just taking it away from everyone else who's in it. And that's a movie with Sam Shepard doing some incredible work too. Yeah, isn't there a third guy in there too that's like an like a uh, Michael C. Hall. He's, I mean, he's good, but okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But... Sam Shepard and Don Johnson walk away with that movie. Ah, okay, yeah, I kind of see that movie. I, I spent on this for a very long time. It's um, awesome. Watch it after Logan Lucky. Okay, <laughs> keep making this list. Uh, Michael Shannon, a guy that comes in and usually steals a movie, like in uh, uh, the night before. The Seth Rogen movie. Have you seen that? Oh my God. I loved him in that. As, I love uh, that movie. I love him. Mr. In that. Green. Yeah. He's like, is he like an angel? I don't remember. Oh, uh, he comes. He's so God, weird. He's like angel. <laughs> he's such, he comes in and just does weird shit. Uh, I, yeah. He's really funny. This. He has some of the great, like, ad lines we talked about. I'm pretty sure he's the one that's like, I will not eat one iota of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's uh, him. He's, he's the one that goes, no when the uh when the will is read uh he all he also he goes to marta's apartment to threaten her and kind of coerce her into yeah, forfeiting yeah. the inheritance mm-hmm. uh, only to completely have that turned back around on him which oh, is yeah. like i have your resources so i guess i can do all this for myself and <laughs> oh god it's such a wonderful moment god that movie is this movie is it's perfect, Matt. <laughs> Even with the weak sauce and KFC lines. Right. Listen, it's very minor nitpicks. Uh, last person I'll bring up, Tony Collette, who Hereditary was also 2019, right? No, that was 2018. 2018. But think okay. about it. You have the two queens of horror from 2018, Jamie Lee Curtis for Halloween and Tony Collette for Hereditary, teaming up in this movie. Yeah, with was... the uh, with Jaden Martell, the king of horror in 2017. <laughs> he's very good as a little shitty kid. You know, it's like he's just. Oh yeah, I, I mean, love he's that even. Yeah, he, he's even. He, I mean, we just saw him play another shitty kid not much later in uh, the Lodge. Oh yeah, I where we forgot. actually we see this kid get what he fucking deserves. I almost forgot I watched the Lodge. But <laughs> um, yeah, that oh, movie shit. was. Uh, spoiler alert for the Lodge. I should pre- I shouldn't have said that. Well, people don't know exactly what you mean. That's, that's <laughs> Possibly. true. Possibly. The um, Lodge is awesome, people. 
I I struggle with the lodge. Uh, I <laughs> I think my letterbox review <laughs> was just was just fuck those kids <laughs> or something like like really dislikable characters unlikable what the fuck am i saying unlikable characters and uh they're horrible they're just they're just tormenting a woman and it's but it's it's such a great i I just love a good mood piece and i loved that uh but we're not here to talk about the lodge (laughs) i i I talked about that on schlock and awe enough uh why 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 do you keep letting me hijack you we said we weren't gonna go on too long, and I feel like we're about to hit the two-hour mark. Yeah, I, it's okay. Uh, I, we're almost done, I think. Uh, yeah, but I love Tony Collette's doing like this kind of ditzy thing, like kind of you know, like don't they say that she invested in some kind of like or made up some kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow type goop type company with a bunch yeah. of bullshit? Yeah, she like <laughs> created her own company, but she's still stealing from her father, right? Or yeah. her father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> that's right i forgot that there was another thromb thromby sibling who just died oh yeah I, I kind of forgot about that too it's like oh yeah that happens i mean just got mentioned like offhand i feel like so um but yeah i mean listen there's not much more i can say i think we've made it very clear we love we, this movie. we do have to talk about the dumbest car chase ever oh yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was I, yeah. that moment oh my god just everything well just everything about this movie but when they're <laughs> hiding in that very conspicuous vehicle i remember watching it and being like he knows that she drives that very very conspicuous car he's gonna see them there and sure enough he's just he just he sees her and they just speed off and it doesn't take him long to catch up with her. <laughs> and he's just driving alongside her after multiple call attempts and he's just pointing at the phone like, oh yeah, I left. Pick up. I love when he's right next to her and points to the phone. She's calling her. He's like, pick up. And she's still trying to ignore him. Like, he know he sees you. He knows. Uh, that's another great thing. I have undercutting expectations. Like, even as this like very simple stupid car chase which even i, I don't mind like he stanfield commenting it was like that was the dumbest car chase of all time <laughs> like because it is I like, like a that really one stupid car chase i think yeah that one's so funny to me like because it is stupid i love how he like undercuts the the expectation of a car chase and gives us like a car that can't even like barely break 60 miles an hour <laughs> like uh, yeah. floor it I'm, i am flooring she's it like, she's like i'm literally flooring it <laughs> um Man, yeah, she's I, back to Andar Maras. She's so good in this movie. I want all good things for her. Uh, it's like just put her in everything, and I'll be happy. Like two, like yeah, this is just like everything she's in. She all she steals the show. Like she's incredible in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. She's incredible in this. She's incredible in uh, No Time to Die. Uh, she's probably incredible in Knock Knock. I haven't seen that in a while, but I remember her being really good in that. Yeah, she's I'm, probably incredible yeah. in that uh, straight-to-video Keanu Reeves movie she's in. That's not Knock Knock. There's another one that she's in with Keanu Reeves? Th- yeah, she was in one. I think it was called Exposed. Again, I think that she must, she's really good to work with because these guys keep working with her. <laughs> uh, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the defenders of Knock Knock because I feel like it... Uh it gets shit on a lot, but I like it. I think she's good. I think they're all good in it. I mean, even people make fun of Keanu, but I... I I oh, like he's him. Fun. He's fun in that. Fun I actually, rem- I need to watch it again. I remember liking that when I saw it in theaters, but I, I don't know. I re-eval- I reevaluated Eli Roth uh, like a year after I saw that. So I need to go back and make sure I still like it. <laughs> I don't love, I've never really like loved Eli Roth. I, I like him more as like a, 
commentator on horror and film than a director at this point i think i like, like him less as a commentator because he <laughs> says stuff that we all know i like I, the history of horror but it's all of his narration is like i know that oh he, i, I see like i haven't watched that i've heard him on podcast it's like um uh, he it's so funny because everyone thinks he's like a horror guy which he is a horror guy but he, it's like he has like an encyclopedic knowledge of 80s like sex comedies like that's like his thing I mean, 70s to 80s sex comedies like he knows about like the ones from israel and like ones from overseas and like uh, it's he's just you know I mean, he I, he knows his shit on on certain things i just his movies can be insufferable like I, green inferno a movie i think he uh. tanks himself i'm like you ruined this movie like there's a there's a good movie there but he he just destroys it with like the fucking fart jokes he like, can't help himself like um I don't know. Sometimes the weird, the weird touches work. Like I watched Cabin Fever for shock and awe. Me and Lindsay did it. And it was interesting for many reasons to rewatch Cabin Fever. Because Cabin Fever's not like Cabin Fever's just a fucking weirdo movie. It's not trying (laughs) to be this like, yeah, like Grand Inferno jumps between being the serious cannibal movie and this like grand green. We know ridiculous movie. (laughs) Cabin Fever, you know where that movie's coming from, from the beginning. Right, right. Like, I feel like that's the most... (laughs) Eli Roth movie and like it works there for the most part it has problems oh, but like Green Inferno is like it's too it's too much it's like it, it's uh, yeah he ugh. anyway I don't know I'll have a, I have a soft spot for him he was a big figure in my life when I was really getting into horror and I loved like he kind of did a lot of my horror education I still love the hostile movies and Cabin Fever but yeah everything he's done after that I, I yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um and plus i mean he's i've heard he's just kind of a creep so oh yeah 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 uh, <laughs> i mean just listen i, I just listen to the cabin fever commentary i've heard uh he Ooh. says some creepy things on there but i can uh, only imagine because let's say i talked about how things some things didn't age well in cabin fever and if that commentary is recorded anywhere near when the movie came out then uh yeah i can imagine <laughs> like some of the stuff he yep. might have said so well and on that note, uh, it's like we can't end on the Roth and all that stuff. <laughs> we, um, we cannot. I mean, I feel like this was like a almost probably two hour love fest for Knives Out, which is fine by me. But uh, I just it's like I, the timing worked out well when you brought it up. It was like came out Thanksgiving two years ago. It feels like a perfect time for this time of year. Yeah, it's part of why I brought it felt like it does feel like a perfect Thanksgiving movie. Like I felt like we needed a good kind of getting into cold weather movie and yeah it, it really was the perfect movie to see. Yeah. can i mention one more thing that uh like one of those little thing i noticed uh on one of my viewings oh yeah it's yeah. um well first off i noticed that again it's just the brilliance of ryan johnson and uh like he knows what he's doing with the image but so every time they're uh we get that flashback to them all kind of hovering over the birthday cake as uh, walt's gonna blow out his candles and in each flashback, the person who's telling the story is the person right next to him. Oh, so wow. it's this great uh, way of showing how <laughs> they feel like they're Think the of, most important yeah. person at that party and in his life. Man, I didn't even catch that. That's good. Oh, man. Again, gotta... There's so much in this movie that you can catch. That's what you'd think that it's not that rewatchable once you know the twist, but right. he still puts so much in this that makes it uh, very rewatchable. Uh, I love how Marta's trying to like sabotage the investigation. Like when the, uh, when they, when he sees the footprints, he's like, okay, we got footprints. Uh, uh, Marta, 
And she's just like, what? Huh? What? I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Just walking over the footprints. Uh-huh. I love when she throws the uh, the piece of the, what do you call it? The, the trellis? trellis? What she, the trellis. Yeah, she yeah. throws it. And then the dog just fucking brings it back. <laughs> it's uh, like, no, no matter what, like she can't catch a break there. Yeah, but that's the, the fun part that we have the person who we, you know, think committed the murder along for the investigation and trying to sabotage it along the way. But she's still like the nicest, sweetest person. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic that works so well that it's like, you don't see that, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, oh yeah. yeah, I love that. And yeah. it's just, again, I mentioned it before, but the ending of this movie is so perfect. It's like a high wire act where we... Like after we um like we basically find out that Chris Evans has done it and he's uh he's trying to pass it off but then at the end when they get the call from the hospital saying and uh, she says Fran's gonna be okay and he just gives up and he's like you know what I'm rich I'll go I'll do the time I'll get out of jail in no time I didn't even uh, it was just I, I forget everything he says and then she throws up and says that she's <laughs> actually dead and it's mm-hmm. just like. I have rarely been this just enthralled in the in experiencing a story in a theater. Yeah. The and way going that, back yeah. to experience it again, like not even a week later. Like, oh my God. It still I works. I was that. telling you, I couldn't even like focus on uh like I was trying to do some work in the like this in the background. I had to stop and just because the movie was taking all my focus. I was like, I can't do anything else when knives out is on. And when it gets to like that last bit with Daniel Craig's really kind of unspooling what happened, um, it's delivered so well. It's so interesting. Her part, Marta's part in it. Um, it's so good. I just, God damn, I love this movie. It's, it's and the funny. fake knife, yeah. the fake knife. Yeah. It's like, which uh, Alamo draft house. They always, they have their famous no talking ads. Uh, the one they did for knives out was just Ryan Johnson and Noah Segan. And Ryan Johnson was like, and, uh, you know, stay off your phone in the movie. And Noah Segan kept taking phone calls in the middle of this. And so Ryan Johnson just starts stabbing him. And then at the end of the no talking ad, the fake knife breaks and he just does this like little comedic uh, look to the camera, tosses it aside. And I just thought it was a funny little gag. And little did I know that it ended up playing into the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's true. I, yeah, like he kind of showed you the, the trick before he did it. So yeah, uh... I will say one more thing I want to mention, just that one more like little touch. It's um, it's one of the party flashbacks where... um. It's Walt is talking to Harlan about uh, like film rights for the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're having that conversation. By the way, an unsung MVP in this movie. I don't remember the character name, but Ricky Lindholm as Walt's wife is like, I feel like she's not the center of attention. She's not even list- shown on the poster or in the main cast list. She's one of the, like kind of supporting, supporting performers, but she does so much with so little like the way i pick up this character she's like she's either like that i've got two theories on her she's either this like woman that walt has trained to just echo his sentiments or his like far right opinions because she jumps in when Joni's talking about uh like immigration and she's like we are losing our way of life and it feels like something that walt has trained her to say but then there's another moment where Walt is talking to Harlan and in the middle of this conversation, it's uh, Walt's on one side of the frame, Harlan's on the other. 
uh, in the middle of it, you just see her slowly walk by glaring at Walt. <laughs> and it's such a funny shot. I think I tweeted it once, but I feel that kind of gave me the thought like, well, maybe she's the power behind the throne. Maybe Walt's just a fucking idiot and she's oh, he's yeah. being puppeted by her. I don't know. More stuff the, to look this, for. See, we're this starting is... <laughs> to get into fan theories. I'm not a big, uh, <laughs> I usually don't create my own fan theories, but I feel like I feel pretty confident in these. Anyway, <laughs> that's yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else I have to say, but we've been going on long. I think I've said all I need to say about Knives Out. Yeah, it's uh, it's 12:38 a.m. here, so I uh, <laughs> and I, we well, have still eliminated no suspects. Listen, because you can do the impression pretty well. We got to mention the donut line. Can you do the donut line for me? I don't usually oh, ask people uh, to do impressions like, of lines, but <laughs> this case, I, I can't remember the exact line, but like. A donut, if you will. <laughs> but I didn't. The hole at the center of the donut is missing. And Lena Lee's like, I, I thought I, the hole at the center of the donut, I had filled it in, but there's still a little hole at the center of the donut hole. <laughs> that was pretty, yeah, that's pretty much it. That was good. Thank I should you. have pulled, I should have just pulled up the actual line and like and- done a dramatic reading it's, but it's super late it's okay uh, i thought i should good. say people i <laughs> like this was such a short notice thing like part of my idea with this movie was i didn't have much time to prep for this podcast so i figured i'd talk about a movie that i've seen enough that i didn't have to rewatch. so if i get anything wrong let me know i didn't really do i get i don't i didn't feel like i had to do any prep or research for this episode because i feel like i know this movie pretty well at this point yeah i mean i rewatched it just because I've seen it a couple times, I probably could have done it. But like I told you, I'm like I feel like I rewatch everything part of your podcast. I probably don't, but I just feel that way. So, um, but yeah, this was fun to talk about. I it's funny because I will say this lately. I've been thinking like, man, maybe I should do some more movies where I don't just love them. Like I, I kind of feel like almost like there's a like not like I'm trying to make a contentious podcast where we people argue or I have negative things to say, but. uh you know, I don't have anyone mind. This might be my own head, but I'm like, I don't know if I want it to be like a love fest every single time, but this was a great love fest. I really enjoyed this. I, there so are that. plenty of movies out there about uh, mountain climbing and cruise ships, Matt. <laughs> I did. Listen, even I kind of ended up liking those. I had, listen, I had, I had some critiques. I had some questions, but uh, I still had a lot of fun with those. So um, it definitely wasn't a love fest, though. You were able to get critiques in on that true. episode. That's true. Uh, I guess even when me and Rosalie Lewis talked about true romance, I I could critique plenty of things in that movie, even though I still love it. So maybe I'm being uh, yeah. too that hard is a very uh, I I love critiquing true romance, and I also love the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. very much a movie that was written by a virgin. I yeah, it is. It definitely. Is like uh so i don't know maybe i'm just talking out loud in my own head lately i'm like maybe we should do some pod of some movies where i don't totally love them all the time but uh i'm probably overthinking it but uh this was perfect timing with knives out i'm glad you recommended i had a good time talking about it i think i hope we covered everything it feels like there's so much in this movie that i love that we couldn't possibly cover it all but i think we did a pretty good job i agree i am uh <laughs> we did great good job yeah <laughs> um, ourselves okay, in the you back. can tell my you can tell my brain is getting fried too Jesus, I still have to eat dinner. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, well, uh, I, we can wrap up. You want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just dropped today. I'm on a new episode of Cobwebs with, uh, uh, with, Did- with, I don't know why I said with, with the host of Cobwebs, <laughs> Daniel Epler, talking about Honor Majesty's Secret Service, talking host. Bond in general. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, you can go back, listen to any any podcast I was on, Film Feast, Inside the Sequel, Schlock and Awe. Uh, again, I recently talked about Doctor Sleep and Pet Cemetery on Schlock and Awe, just more 2019 love. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Shape 14. That's capital T H E underscore capital S H A P E 14. Just find me on Letterboxd, Mark Warner. That's where I post random nonsense. I just logged the Family Guy Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> uh, so you know what you're getting into. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. All right, good. I, I will, again, I will echo. That you people only check out the Cobbles episode because I'm in like a deep. Well, I'm, I maybe I'm biased. I'm in like a real Bond phase right now, but I love that episode. I kind of wish I was like I want more. I want this to be like a three hour podcast with more Bond talk. But well, I'm um, sorry I disappointed you because I am normally a. Uh, I you, you normally can't get me to shut up on podcasts. <laughs> I feel like my episodes generally do go to like the two and a half three hour range, but. For some reason, I was able to contain myself on that one. I'm as surprised <laughs> as you are. I think because Daniel's a better host than I am and can wrangle, can like get people to like, he can control the show better. <laughs> like Daniel is very, I mean, no offense to you. Daniel is very structured. He knows exactly uh, where he's going when he starts recording. Oh, but... yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great at that. I have no idea what I'm doing. I push the button. I'm just like, ah, here we go. Boop. And Which then... makes for just as fun, <laughs> makes for just as fun of a listen, though. <laughs> well thank you especially with this one it was late it was last minute i was like i don't know we're gonna fucking talk so uh but yeah it's it's, it's a really 43 good... where you are man why is. did you let me go on this long i don't know i don't have to work tomorrow luckily and i didn't work today so i uh you know it's the best time to do it if i had to work rub tomorrow, it I'd in be... why don't you yeah listen i i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry um I usually work a lot. I just had a couple, I have to burn PTO days. So anyway, no one cares. What am I saying this anyway? But, but uh, uh, oh Jesus, what am I saying? Yeah, listen to Cobwebs. It was a great episode. Um, all the stuff you've been on, it's always entertaining. Um, I don't want to plug our stuff. I was going to plug other stuff. Everyone should listen to the Cobwebs episode. Listen to Inside the Sequel about Last Jedi because I feel like we gave everyone a little bit of Last Jedi talk. If they want more, go listen to Inside the Sequel with Chris and Daniel. <laughs> and um people know where to follow us by this point if they listen i can't imagine the first episode everyone's listened to so you know follow us on twitter instagram i think that's it i'm very tired so all right everybody or else we'll <laughs> pelt you with malignant blu-rays yeah. we'll yeah, we'll come to your house and pelt you with blu-rays <laughs> which then you can resell so it will be it's kind of a win-win for for you <laughs> listen you get hit with blu-rays you got a bunch you can sell them it's fine it's it's all good um and uh, I don't know if there'll be an episode before Thanksgiving. So if I don't have one, then have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope everyone has a good time and watch Knives Out with your family. It's a perfect Thanksgiving movie. Yes. So. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Knives Out anniversary. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mark. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody.